The best worst movie, Richard Gere and some women, and the last ever Jackass movie this week on 30 2010. Hi, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine, every single week taking you back 30 and 20 and 10 years ago to find you the best anniversaries in movies, television, film, video games, music, and more. Hi, one of yours, Chris Santis. Who else is with us? Oh, I couldn't decide on a quote, so I'm going with two. I'm retired and extremely dangerous, Diana Goodman, and <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Love that clip, and I couldn't find my god the clip I wanted to play that. Who else is with us? It's me, Sarah. It's Sarah. And it is a huge, huge week for 302010 fans, uh, especially lots for the freaking movies. Man. And, and lots of games if you're on the uh, the Laser Time Patreon. This show is brought to you by Patreon. We are executive produced this episode by Corey Gray and many other fine people at patreon.com slash laser time. We have, you finally have it, people, a big giant episode, sick of Star Wars, about the one, the only, A New Hope, which I hate calling it still, um, before Star Wars movie. Uh, there's a lot to look into. Of course, Empire's coming next, and it's going to be crazy. We have a bigger breakdown with the games of every single month over there. You can check that out, and a weekly bonus show, usually to round all that out. And so we threw some commentaries back in, so you can get a commentary for Heathers in there that uh, me, Matt, and Sammy did for Monday Night Movies, which we are doing over on Matt's Twitch channel. Anywho, <sighs> October 9th through the 15th, that is the week we will be discussing throughout three decades, 1990, 2000, and 2010 some of your favorite movies and television shows premiered or had some of their best episodes in this period. So I thoroughly recommend you pay attention because I think TV in particular, like these are very notable episodes. Yeah. Well, we had 1990. Mm-hmm. We had all the TV debuts last week. Mm-hmm. And then this week, I think, is when the 2000s come in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And a little, a little bit of a high, pro- like at least two of these decades have the most high-profile episodes of these sh- these shows have ever had. So, oh. yeah. Now, a little tease on that. 1990, but again, we're talking about... Get settled in. Open your first portal into the past uh, 30 years ago, 1990. little bit of news to bring you into the, the wonderful world of 1990. Jeff Goldblum and Gina Davis divorce after two years of marriage. Oh, man. I thought the fly people were built to last. No, I mean you go through that experience. Come on, yeah, yeah. If you can love Plus someone, they're both perfectly tall enough for each other. It's true. Good point. If you can love so, someone through all that gore, I mean, I, th- I just thought they had what it takes. Um, Did Cronenberg perform the wedding? Because <laughs> I want that to have happened. Yes, I will go get divorced right now if I can get David Cronenberg to perform my next marriage. <laughs> Sweet. Hmm. You hear that? Oh, come on, Canada. I know one of you knows him. Um, uh, Nobel Peace Prize winner. Congratulations to Mikhail Gorbachev. What did he win the priest prize for? Um, having like birthmarks, le- <laughs> <laughs> opening the Soviet Union up to right. having like we're going to have from some uh, open elections. We're going to let all these satellite states that we took over under Stalin they can go free. All you know, Estonia and Latvia and Lithuania. Ukraine, Azerbaijan, all these different places. Yeah, we're breaking up the Soviet Union, baby. But I don't and we're doing trust it mail- peacefully. I don't trust mail-in voting, and the Bol- Bolsheviks are always cheating. And we, we, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, good on you, Mikhail Gorbachev. You are my favorite yeah. political leader. That is in a in a Street Fighter Two ending. Although, and I'm sure 
with the next p- bit of news, we can tell you right now who's winning the Peace Prize next year. Yeah. Ooh, okay. Because, yeah, just not quite fast enough to get this year's Peace Prize. <laughs> In Under the Wire, South Africa yeah. desegregates uh, public facilities, including libraries, trains, buses, and bathrooms and pools. So is this the official end to apartheid, or is this just the slow beginnings of the end of the apartheid? We're at the slow beginnings. Mm-hmm. Remember, we had Nelson Mandela finally out of prison pretty recently, and now he's working with the white president F.W. de Klerk, and they shared the Peace Prize next year because, yeah, we're at the end of apartheid. It's yay. They're rolling it back. Mm, this is all uh, this. <laughs> the news I put in undercuts this quite a bit in not as important. news. <laughs> um, <laughs> the Polaroid so Corporation short. wins a almost a, a one billion dollar lawsuit, nine hundred nine million dollars in its instant photography patent infringement suit against uh, Kodak, its arch rival in film Ooh. formats. Which I find bizarre because you can go into like any Best Buy or Target or Walmart and Polaroid is making a myriad of weird shit while allowing every company under the sun to flourish in the instant photograph department. I know my girlfriend got into it recently and infected it to Sarah. Yep, uh, I got one recently and it yeah. makes me feel very cool and old timey. It is. I still yeah, call I, them a Polaroid. I, They're not Polaroids. Polaroid's too busy making like fucking webcams and smartwatches. It's very strange. I don't think that people... <laughs> Kids today, you don't appreciate what photos used to be like, Mm -hmm. where you had a roll of film. And even if you got like I had a 110 camera, which Mm -hmm. is, you know, like completely idiot proof, you don't there's no focusing or anything. It's just point and click. You'd still have to go get that developed. Mm -hmm. And then you find out like, oh, shit, that picture came out really bad. Or when I asked that person to take my picture, they took a picture of the guy standing next to me. I'm not even in this picture in front of Statue of Liberty or whatever. Well, that ruined all my vacation photos and Polaroid. You got to see it right away. In like two minutes, it was it was <laughs> astonishing. I remember had like having to argue with my dad over what I wanted for like my thirteenth birthday, and like I want a Polaroid camera. He's like, "Son, the quality on that is just no good." He was he was big enough photographer. It's true. <laughs> and, yeah, the quality and, is is pretty rough, and I've have Polaroids from like thirty years ago, and and they definitely degrade over time mm-hmm. as well. But it was right now. It was right there, and that's and, like the original nudes and dick pics. A little bit because you didn't have to take them in to get like developed by some camera perv right. you could just yeah. like take a we ha- dude right there we have one framed of my girlfriend's ass in the bedroom just <laughs> just to be funny which yes i don't know that we would have gone to my parents house to print that out on their fucking <laughs> hp printer <laughs> otherwise well, what if you run out of cyan exactly exactly it makes <laughs> or the magenta ass, makes the ass look sick uh, <laughs> <laughs> got those lines across it. Oh, and, and I, I remember Why does it have yellow lines? I got it because I knew I was going to the Renaissance Fair with my school, and that made me really popular for a second that I could take pictures mm-hmm. and we could instantly look at them and see what we did. Jesus Christ, I'm old. But like I knew yeah. it would do that, and it totally did. Uh, I just find that astonishing. I, my dad sent me a, a photo album when I was in San Francisco. And I'm showing it to my friends like, wow, when would you stop doing this? And like, not on purpose, the second there were digital cameras. Yeah. I never mm-hmm. updated this, this. There's a whole lot of blank space in this giant photo album. I never printed out a photo and put anything in here again. And my mm-hmm. girlfriend was like, I want to make a little scrapbook of our quarantine years, instant photos. Yep. Boom, we got one. Here's <laughs> Let's cut our dog's hair. That looked awful. <laughs> now we know here it is in the scrapbook. Uh, cool thing to do, I thought. Anywho, we are minutes into our show and haven't talked about a single entertainment product. Marked for Death is still number one at the box office. That is Steven Seagal once again debuting at number one and sticking around. Uh, the world wasn't, isn't fair now and wasn't fair then. Uh, to Sleep with Anger, starring Danny Glover, Richard Brooks, uh, Paul Butler, and Mary Alice is also out. 
Yeah. Now, this is a movie I think most people have not heard of, but it is in the National Film Registry and huh. a Criterion edition. Really? Oh. And this is an American film directed by Charles Burnett, who, again, most people probably haven't heard of. Uh, he's most famous for a movie called Killer of Sheep from 1978. I which saw is... that in the theaters. Yes. Nice. Mm-hmm. Usually you see it in film school. It's mm-hmm. like, let's talk about underground black filmmakers. Here's the one that we pay attention to. And then Spike Lee happened. But To Sleep With Anger, I had so much trouble finding it. Uh, I because it is my goal to watch every National Film Registry film, and i got about 600 left to go. Because um, <laughs> you're out of Oscar nominees, Oscar Best Picture nominees? Yeah, yeah, wow. pretty much. Uh, so, well, because things that go in the National Film Registry are culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. So I wanted to know why this one. And it's a lot like Killer of Sheep, where it's just, it's this interesting little slice of life. It feels very real. They film in South Central LA at mm-hmm. the time. Um, and it's about... Danny Glover is supposed to give like a career best performance is the, the like weird Southern relation who comes to visit these folks in South central and just upends fucking everything. Mm. Like the poster is the scariest you have ever seen Danny Glover. He is mm. sinister. Mm. Like he looks like the Joker. Like he is here to <laughs> screw up everyone's lives in wow. a weird, weaselly, aw shucks kind of way. And yeah, uh, the reviews for it are, are spectacular and um, hard to find. Want to see it now. Same same cannot be said for Mr. Destiny. <laughs> no, um, no. To Sleep With Anger. Good. Mr. Destiny. I think I saw it on a plane. I, I don't know. I'm confusing it with Taking Care of Business and Destiny Turns on the Radio, but uh, uh, starring mm. the horrible Jim Belushi and Linda Hamilton, which I just... Hey, I have a new reason to defend Jim Belushi. Why is that? I saw a lot of people at the protests up in Portland where like the Proud Boys showed up and they were in one park and the Antifa were in another park. Unfortunately, there wasn't fighting. Mm-hmm. But a bunch of different Antifa people were like, did I just see Jim Belushi? Yeah, <laughs> I did. We, we were waiting for an Uber together and we were talking about anarchism. What? Cool. I thought he was like a, a Beverly Hills Republican. What the fuck is he doing in Portland in the middle of a rally? I, I don't know. So Jim mm. Belushi. Still, he's, he's officially cool again. I All right. John Lovitz is also in this movie that probably can't save it, even though I wish it did. Um, uh, Rene Russo, Michael, Mike, Michael Caine is also in this movie. Uh, it, 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 more interestingly, uh, we have Welcome Home, Roxy Carmichael with Winona Ryder and Jeff, Jeff Daniels, which I have not seen. Yeah, I just run through. Mr. Destiny is a really good idea for a movie that takes way too long to get anywhere because oh. it's about a guy who's like, oh, my life kind of sucks and it wouldn't suck if I had won the big game. And then like Angel Michael Caine shows up and is like, OK, well, here's what your life would be like. And it sucks in all kinds of different ways. <laughs> Here you sure. go. If you win the bloody game. <laughs> yeah, and then, the, has, then a like, whole twenty problems. years of more losing. Good for you. Yeah, so it's like, oh, well, that's a fun idea, and mm-hmm. it's got some cute bits to it. But it's like, mm. yeah, it's something I've noticed. Yeah. The, the older I've got, it, there's there is tragically no one event or one paycheck that will ever save me. I just have to keep going. No, nothing yeah. finds you. Uh, yeah, you this is what working. I talk about when I talk about remake bad movies and make good movies. Like that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. see a good movie out of that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the, the butterfly effect with Ashton Kutcher. <laughs> okay, yeah. welcome yeah. home uh, with uh, Roxy Carmichael with one on the writer and Jeff Daniels. I've never even heard of this. Let's hear a little of the trailer. My real mother wants me back, and I have to go with her. Who's her mom? She says her mother's Roxy Carmichael. She thinks Roxy is her mother? Winona Ryder. God, I want to kiss you so bad right now, Dinky. It's good to want things. Jeff Daniels. It's a strange kid. She's here! Welcome home, Roxy Carmichael. I, I was Steven Tobolowsky. I was trying to barbed wire her room last week. 
It isn't funny, Les. Uh, uh, no, I've never heard of this. This no? movie's pretty cute, actually. Is it controversial? Yeah. No. No. No, not really. Uh, I mean, it's, yeah, it's pretty cute. Not great, but yeah. cute. Yeah. It's definitely cute. And if you are a Winona Ryder fan, this oh, is yeah. her, like, at her Winona wrist. And I am. <laughs> yes, I, I why was, forever? I was. And I, I just, it surprises me. It's a Paramount film. How did this not end up being rerun on cable forever? I've never heard of it. It's... I, yeah, I don't know why. You, you know how really many times weird. I've seen Morgan Stewart's Coming Home? Like everything John Cryer <laughs> ever did? Like, why have I not even heard of this? Well, you can watch it on HBO. Oh. Um, streaming. And yeah, I mean, it's a story of Winona Ryder is like playing like kind of a goth kid in high school. Not really well, you know, kind of the outcast, kind of like her jam, basically. And her hometown has this like star that came out of her hometown named Roxy Carmichael. And she's obsessed with the idea that because she's adopted that this star that's coming back for a homecoming, basically, is her actual mom. And and then there's like a lot of other little side stories going on that are pretty charming. But I I really like this movie. Super weird and super little, and Jeff Daniels is great. But also, too, I really liked it because, coincidentally, I also was reading a book about high schoolers in the '80s, which totally like corresponded with all the like clothes and everything. And I also <laughs> really recommend this book that I read called "We Write Upon Sticks" by Quan Berry. It's very, very excellent. Um, and yeah, so it was like a perfect little twofer for me this weekend. Nice. Yeah, I say. I mean, welcome home, Roxy Carmichael. It's okay but it is very quirky and overall i'm not sure how great it is but winona Ryder is like really good like i mean uh -huh. this is exactly what she could do so well this weird quirky outcast who just doesn't really know how to deal with stuff and it's you know her life is just one big dark room you know so yeah if you like heathers or beetlejuice and you just like want a little bit more of that winona Ryder, yes this is your jam. Yes. <laughs> I pretty much every time we talk about Winona Ryder, I have to look up when do we get to talk about mermaids? Like and two years. Coming right? up. It's coming up. I'm so excited. I have not it's seen it. It's coming up. I have not seen it. Uh, oh, where, where's the streaming? Movie. Mermaids? No, this. Oh, oh on, <laughs> on HBO. Sorry. I'm in where is every movie streaming, sir? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, this, which I, I just coincidentally remembered. I lost access to HBO Max, and I thought it got wise to stealing passwords, and mm. it was mm. adorable. I was like... Dad, did you change your password to HBO Max as I was picking up tools I don't have, like a man at my house, and we're both pamass, and he's like, yeah, it said someone was using my password. I'm like, that was me, you dumbass. And he's like, oh, let me go look for the other password. 20 minutes later. <laughs> back it's written this, down it's, on an envelope. He, yes! <laughs> like, stop doing that! <laughs> it's so annoying. He's changed his password two times because he keeps giving it to me and someone's using my password. Humpty Dumpty Dumpty Dumpty. <laughs> God damn it, Dad. So I'm proud to say uh, you yes. See, I have it. I have it the other way around, where it's like everyone's on my Netflix account. So I'm just waiting for someone to cross me. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Then I'm adding like all it's going to take is one ampersand in that password, and everyone's gone. That's right. That's I, everyone's on my Hulu, and it keeps messing up my recommendations. <laughs> Got to get that profile ready, man. You know. Um, and also out this week in the 1990. Those are very 2020 problems. Memphis Bell with Matthew Modine, Eric Stoltz, Tate Donovan, D.B. Sweeney, Billy Zane, Sean Ashton, Harry Connick Jr., uh, David Shratham, and John Litkow. That's a lot of men for a, 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> a, a, there's like a woman in this. Yes, yeah. there's a very female in sight. For a movie but called there... Memphis Belle. Holy shit. Uh, well, let's hear a little bit of the trailer, because I don't know what this is about at all. In the summer of 1943, a fierce battle raged in the skies of Europe. So that's the crew of the Memphis Belle, huh? They're just ordinary men, Colonel. They fly 24 missions without a scratch. That doesn't sound very ordinary to me. Bombardier checking in. Assume positions for takeoff. It was a time when boys became soldiers. Sir, that's the third rank down there. 30 seconds to bomb run. You've never done this before, have you? Why? Am I doing something wrong? Strangers became brothers. Okay, I understand now. This is not about a woman. <laughs> this makes more sense. It's about a plane. It's about something way sexier. Yes. A plane in World War II. Yes. It's, yeah. it's about the thing that men build to get away from women. Planes. <laughs> and to <laughs> fight Nazis. Bombs on them. And to yeah. fight Nazis, yes. <laughs> um, uh, Memphis Bell, I've never seen this. Oh. Mm-mm. So... Pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, as a as a film historical film nerd, I have to endorse uh, Memphis Bell story of a flying fortress directed by William Wyler, which oh, this is basically a fictionalized version of. Uh, William Wyler was famous director who went uh, over to World War II and yeah, filmed this uh, documentary. It's only forty five minutes long, and it's on YouTube. It's totally worth watching. Where they have like the real crew of this B seventeen. Wow. Like enact what they do, like their job. And oh, some of it was filmed during combat and some of it is like filmed later. And it's wow. a fictionalized yeah. version Only of the thing. Only 45 minutes and it's fucking great. It's a fictionalized version of one of the things Weiler made. They discussed in the Five Came Home documentary, which I can right. never stop telling people to watch. Neat. Yeah, Five Came Back. I did five, yeah, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I mean, like one of, one of the cameramen died while they were filming. I mean, it was pretty hardcore. But then so... This, I found out, oh, his daughter produced it. William Wyler's oh. daughter, Catherine, produced it. Wow. And it's dedicated to her dad. Well, that's really Aww. sweet. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so it's the fictionalized version of what it's like to be in a B-17 flying fortress during a bombing run. It's pretty. Turns out it sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, we watched it this weekend because Sam had memories of watching it a lot when he was a kid. And I quite enjoyed it. All the acting is really great. These are all of our, like, young handsome men from the 80s including Jason Strathern who I always love to see in something (laughs) Um, and it does show how harrowing that like being in that is especially the like little I don't know what to call it the crow's nest that's like but underneath the the plane the ball turret Mm-hmm. Oh my god, that there were some really frightening scenes there. So yeah, I quite enjoyed this. Yeah, movie. I think as a, definitely there aren't a lot of movies about this in particular. I mean, there's some movies about like air combat during World War II, but mm-hmm. to just like let's just stay with these one guys and see what this is like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's there's some really scary parts. I actually got to go into the plane that they used for this. What? No, which is not the original Memphis. For though. this podcast? Uh, <laughs> yes, <yeah>, sure. <laughs> I don't know how they did it because I am five six and right. built very small, mm-hmm. and I could barely fit into any spot on this freaking thing. Mm. I can't imagine how cramped up and cold and awful it is, and then and then Nazis show up. Yeah, and it's the visibility so that you have, like the windows are like tinier than you think you would want them to be on a plane where you're going to be shooting at enemies. You know, like yeah. you're basically looking at a little porthole. Hopefully you'll get it. Like, oof. Rough. Yeah. Yeah. You, it, I yeah. Don't know. And they show you all kinds of ways it can go bad. Oh, yes. There's a lot of them. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. Okay. Oof. And then uh, now yeah. for the. <laughs> no, Memphis Bell. Pretty wow. good. Wow. But... Uh, <laughs> a heavy transition here. Oh. Tonally, thematically. Yeah.
here's some names. Ethan Sarfi, Jason Stedman, Darwin Ewing, Jason W. Wright, Deborah Reed, Connie McFarland, who could forget Margot Prey, and of course George Hardy, and could have happened without the majesty of Michael Stevenson. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, the highlight of our week, Troll 2. There's this movie you've got to see. I've watched it a million times. Thank you all for coming to the fifth annual Los Angeles Troll 2 party. Oh, oh my God, you didn't see it? You haven't seen Troll 2? We're watching it now. And that's what people do with this movie. They pass the DVD around like it's a Bible. Two decades after it was made, Troll 2 is finally finding an audience. It is sold out for tonight, my friends. That is so, so surreal. I haven't, yeah. I have so I, I had to go with a trailer for the documentary about Troll 2, best mm-hmm. worst movie. Because even though Shout has put out a DVD, the, all the ads for it are just way too visual. It's just uh-huh. goblin guys going, yeah, and then someone going, oh, no, oh, my God. A jumpy car shot going into Nilbog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you can't tell if you listen to it what it's about. But the fact that there is a truly adorable documentary about oh, yeah. it. I actually I, I just watched this. I like watched this today, actually. The, Best Worst Movie. Oh, you did? It's on Amazon and Tubi. So absolutely go check it out because it is totally an adorable documentary. I absolutely <laughs> love it. And I was thinking, do I really need to watch Troll 2 or can I just watch the documentary? Yeah, you can definitely just watch the documentary. Like, <laughs> you're right, fine. You, I, it shows enough of the movie that you get it. I, I, here's what you're, why I find myself irritated by it. I had heard of this movie. And it, it was sort of like out of my, uh, what do you call it, like a VHS junkie phase where I'm like renting every kind of horror movie. And I heard of this later, much later on. And um, I read about it on the internet because the internet's a thing now. I'd seen a couple clips. We're in a YouTube era, but not quite a streaming era. And it, if I, I want to say if you look closely, I am in this documentary because the first time I see it, they are shooting for the second day on this documentary oh. in the oh, theater. Wow. So I'm, I'm I'm like, yeah, I've heard this movie's deliciously bad. Can't wait to see it. And I'm watching. I'm like, you can't piss on hospitality. And then I feel something in the back of my head. I'm like, what the fuck was that? And they threw a giant inflatable baseball off of the balcony. I'm like, you need to slow down. Because like whatever tradition this is was made up for this event or is like less than a year old. And you just hit me in the back of the head with something. I did not enjoy myself uh, in this screening at all. It, and have I, the have first, you seen a good screening subsequently, even just with yes, friends? Yes, 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 yes. And I can appreciate it for, but you know, I I like even deeper bad. I like deeper bad movies that are not as rewarding yeah. as this. Ooh, Troll, Troll Two is very rewarding and kind of like hits you with something ever. It's not hard to watch because it is delicious. It is. Yeah, well, I, I feel like most a a lot of bad movies, like truly, truly mm-hmm. bad movies, even fun bad movies, have boring bits yes where it just nothing is happening Mm -hmm. i am so bored confused and bored and this one i don't it doesn't get too crazy boring because it's so stupid from beginning to end there's always something (laughs) to go like wait what because it's about a family who go on a vacation to nilbog which is goblin spelled backwards and it turns out the people in nilbog are like Goblins slash part of a vegetarian cult, and they try to keep tricking the family into eating this poison food so that they'll turn into plants and then they'll get eaten. That's how it starts, man. Communist sure. vegetarian agenda. And uh, yeah. Also, there's like a druid witch lady um, and some teenagers. It's so baffling. <laughs> Why is it Troll Two? It has nothing to do with the first movie Troll. Yeah, it's, well, it's, it's Italian. 
Is, is it uh, Italian though, or is it the first? One? I can't remember. Is the first one Italian or this one Italian? This was directed by an Italian guy who basically spoke no English. Okay, and written by an Italian and edited by who spoke no English and apparently was writing because my friends have just become vegetarians. Here's movie and like okay, and they're very annoying. They're very annoying, and this it's so silly and 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 like deliciously inept and just it's it it is astonishing. I don't know. I just feel like there's, there's better versions of this out there. I don't. I don't. How did this one become famous? If I if unless I'm misremembering. I think this one was like getting late night cable airings because like it had a studio behind it or or something like that. Because mm. they're they're nah, like not really a little bit. It says MGM is somehow involved in this, so either I, I think they acquired the rights at some point. Okay, it just like um, I, I think it got it signaled. Maybe they released the first troll, and so they have some sort of deal. I I don't know. Right, it's all just gibberish. That's <laughs> that's part of the point. It's all gibberish. Yeah, it's it's. It, it is it is great. If you haven't seen it, I thoroughly recommend Troll 2. It is so much fun. And I am also yeah. pissed because I was like, I'm going to play my favorite meme of this. First of all, couldn't find it. Second of all, and it's not necessarily this thing's fault, the last time I searched for Troll 2, Universal didn't have a franchises of, of troll shit that oh, yeah. really ruined my search and made this yeah. a lot harder to find anything I wanted to find for clips of this movie. God damn it. Remember Trolls World Tour, the movie that broke movie theaters. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh, for so many people. Is that their last movie that they saw in a theater before everything shut down? I I don't think so. I don't even know if it made movie theaters. But uh, yeah, for me, it was Cats. So yeah, not not good. That's that's awesome. (laughs) It was a great experience, but uh, it was so much fun. Not a great film. And man, oh, sorry. Were you done with Troll 2? I would just yeah. re- I'd abs- absolutely recommend best worst movie. Yeah, that's true. I think in in some ways it would be almost more fun to not watch Troll Two and just go straight to best worst movie because you'll still be very confused of what the fuck is this movie? Mm-hmm. <laughs> all these scenes I'm seeing are all from the same thing. Well, it, I think why that to me is and, oh that dentist seems like a really nice guy. Uh, <laughs> the the biggest reason I hate the pandemic and of course uh, our Mad King president for doing nothing about it and this supersedes two hundred thousand people dying losing their jobs on the verge of eviction. It's not that I can, I can enjoy a good movie alone. I cannot enjoy a bad movie like Troll Two yeah. alone. Yeah. I have been robbed of that completely. And there's no not, not we're not just talking about movie theaters. Like I recommend watching Troll Two, but I recommend waiting until you could do it with friends because yeah. like that's the true experience with yeah. Troll 2 and watch Best Worst Movie to understand the experience. I, I would say watch Best Worst Movie first mm-hmm. while you got time because <laughs> documentaries are great for mm-hmm. solo viewing. And mm-hmm. then that does give you some context. I think it'll be a more fun watch of Troll 2 when you know who these actors are. And I use the word actor <laughs> very loosely. Very loosely. <laughs> you don't piss on hospitality. Uh, yep. Oh, you want to know my favorite thing about this? Hmm. They say that you don't forget the car you learned to drive on. Do you guys remember the car you learned to drive on? Yes. Yes. Yeah. 1983 Volvo. Nice. Mm-hmm. Sarah? I don't know. I remember my first car, and that might have been, it was my dad's old car, so that probably was the car I learned That's to drive it? on. Yeah. Yeah. Was that so a- mine was, I forget if it was a 90 or 91 Ford Aerostar in champagne gold, oh. which is a horrible car, <laughs> and there's a reason you do not see them on the road even 10 years later, but that is the family minivan in Troll 2, and it will be there forever oh, and nice. ever. Oh, you get to see that forever. I, would I get to, to see, see that car, and I think about how much I hate it. 
I would love to see my first car because it was a, I think Pontiac made it a Bonville. That's yeah. like, Bonneville. it was a land yacht. Like it was so wide, <laughs> which is why I'm really good at parallel parking right now. Like I've always been very good at parallel parking because I learned on a yacht basically. It's awesome. <laughs> first yeah. car was a Bronco. So that's been ruined. Uh, <laughs> uh, moving into 1990 television like it was astonishing how little there was mm-hmm. with the exception of one uh big premiere like huge premiere I, I i don't even know if this is worth talking about do we hate rose i still love the roseanne show i don't care if she's crazy the original roseanne show is so good and so groundbreaking yes it's and, hard and, for me to hate and it for the, and, and part the of the connors yeah. is yeah. also really good Hmm. I, 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 it's the, a lot of fun. Every if you're episode, for an old-fashioned comedy. The Connors has been great. Every okay. episode I saw of the first season of that show was not was like pretty pretty okay. But yeah. yes, I also am not looking at her Twitter feed, and I'm getting it contextualized by the news, and I don't care for it. But uh, the original Roseanne, and these both relate to me a lot because um, we're dealing with Roseanne and the next show. In my opinion shined shined so bright with me because they were really more honest depictions of Americans than I'd ever seen mm-hmm. on television mm-hmm. before. And so both of the problems in this episode were problems I was experiencing yet had, they would never bother to talk about this on full house. What were mm-hmm. uh DJ were having financial difficulties paying the rent. That would never fucking happen. Oh, I miraculously <laughs> got a job as a millionaire weatherman. It's fantastic. <laughs> and, uh, but Roseanne has to get a new job in addition to her old job because Dan's job has collapsed. And I think, I was trying, like, is this Roseanne's first waitressing job? And bringing you back, I remember there was this awesome period. Fuck, it was like elementary school. It was like, your parents come to work and explain their jobs. And my dad's like, I'm an environmental attorney. And someone else like, I'm an engineer. And like, I'm a nurse. And then our Jessica's mom came to class. Like, I'm a single mother and I work at Wendy's. And we're like, you're the coolest. And she, <laughs> she brought us all Frosties. Everybody else's job sucks dick. Uh, oh, Jessica's mom. <laughs> And then and then you go into like middle school and there's this weird stigma because, you know, like my dad was a lawyer who didn't make a lot of money and everyone's kind of give me shit for that. But when your mom works in a place where you can go, I remember Jessica then because she was like mortified during this when we all thought her mom was the coolest. And Roseanne is working in the mall specifically to make this even more old timier in a restaurant inside the department store that her her, oh, her daughter my. likes to hang out in, and I'm pretty sure this is Allison Hannigan talking. Hi, girls. How you doing? You know, this is really weird, Mrs. Connor. Are you serving us and everything? Yeah, well, just pretend like, you know, it's over at our house. Of course, here they make me wash my hands before I serve you the food. <laughs> and love that, Roseanne. She's not afraid to laugh at her own show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is real. I, I always like that about her yeah. because that is a real thing. I laugh at my own jokes all the time. Because she's not an actress. She's, uh, she's a real person, and I thought that yeah. made the show stand out and but even even fucking bigger october 11th is the second season premiere of the simpsons imagine living in a world where there are 13 episodes of the simpsons <laughs> and then you have to wait a very long time for more episodes of the simpsons also imagine a world where fox wants to beat the shit out of all the other networks it's it's fox is like how old like 86 we we started covering the beginning of the fox net the fox network on this show uh they started Rupert Murdoch. No, it's not even Rupert Murdoch at that point. Like buying up old affiliates and making them become Fox Network so they compete with NBC, CBS, and ABC. And they get one big hit in The Simpsons and decide to move The Simpsons from Sunday night to Thursday night to take down Cosby. Ooh. <laughs> and this is. When you come for the king, 
you best not miss. Yeah. Oof. And in this respect, they sort of didn't. They had all, they lost to Cosby and like blah, blah, blah. And then, but like technically 33 million people watched the episode of The Simpsons. Bart gets an F that aired on the 11th of October. That is wow. the highest rated episode of The Simpsons ever. And it's the highest rated thing to happen on Fox until like a 1995 football NFL playoff game. Mm. Um, wow. And uh, if you never heard me talk about on Talking Simpsons, when The Simpsons debuted, Bart was my age. I was a kid who th- was trying to do well and thought all of his teachers hated him because he couldn't recognize how his own ill behavior was coming back to haunt him. And I, <laughs> I, I find something, I don't know, like uh, really heartbreaking about this because uh, they moved this episode up in airing because The Simpsons hadn't aired in a little while and it became clear because of merchandise, Bart is the most important part of The Simpsons. That feels silly to say now given how yeah. Homer's everyone's favorite character. But they, they move this up to to start with a Bart episode. It's the winter, and um, Bart gets an F, and it's all about him being held back. Every other student in the class has shown at least some form of improvement, and yet you continue to struggle. Why is that? I don't know. But look at these results. 55, 42, 26, a 12 on state capitals. Okay, okay. Why are we dancing around the obvious? I know it, you know it, I am dumb, okay? Dumb as a post. Think I'm happy about it? There, there, Bart. You're just a late bloomer. Oh, I wish it were that simple. As shameful and as emotionally crippling as it may be, I'm afraid my recommendation is for Bart Simpson to repeat the fourth grade. What? You can't hold me back. I'll do better, I promise. Oh, sure, promise that'll promises. be the day. Well, Maybe it would help him to be left back. It won't be so bad, Bart. No, I mean it. He can't hold me back. I swear I'm going to do better. Look at my eyes. See the sincerity? See the conviction? See the fear? As God is my witness, I can pass the fourth grade! And if you don't, at least you'll be bigger than the other kids. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't remember that being broached on any shows. At this point, I'm watching, you know, friends and peers some of them being held back and like, you're like, whoa, it was like a cancer diagnosis for elementary mm-hmm. school kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and I'd never seen another show tackle that, especially this relationship. This PTA relationship is something I definitely had having my bad grades thrown back in my face, but I tested gifted. Mm-hmm. So I'm different. But I really related Voila. to Bart. It wasn't just loving Bart or you know representation in a kid my own age. It was like no, I've never seen I've never seen any show that would bring in their parents to discuss what the main character has done wrong, like inarguably mm. wrong. Yeah, yeah. That's without true. it just being super patronizing of yeah. just like yeah mm-hmm. again DJ. You know why we don't call names because yeah. it hurts yes. people's feelings. I was yeah. holding the drugs for a guy for class. I didn't know <laughs> Bart did all this shit, and that's why the parents are there. Yeah, they in a lot of other uh, sitcoms and stuff, it would always be like a very special episode. Mm-hmm. But other than that, mm-hmm. kids were pretty much on their own to figure out their own issues, which yeah. never rang true to me as someone who had parents that were constantly in my face and <laughs> knowing everything <laughs> I did at all times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The helicopter parents, I love them. Yeah. Um, I would just want to bring up helicopter in this segment so I can bring him back in in the third. But uh, yeah, The Simpsons, it's, it's uh, yeah, the highest rated Simpsons episode ever. I believe it's the debut of uh, Mayor Quimby. Mayor Quimby Whoa. makes his debut. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And it's the first in the new time slot. And it's very weird to think about in all my formative years, The Simpsons was a, was a Thursday show, even though it started as a Sunday show. And has been one for, I think, t- like 22 years uh, has yeah. been a Sunday show. That but- was crazy because I think every other network, when you have something that's doing as well as the Cosby show, that's mm-hmm. just, it's like the number one show on television, period. Mm-hmm. You 
you put up sacrificial lambs against it. You put up reruns. You put up stuff that's cheap. You know, yeah. as a as a special edition of twenty twenty or something. You just whatever's or you know, you threw some new thing there that you know is probably not going to do great. No, J- you don't take J- your big hit show and be like, "Fuck it, let's do this." James yeah. L. Brooks was publicly against it. Like, we're I don't yeah, care about him. Cosby. We want the show to survive and do well. It's not about taking down your competition. It's our show, and we want it to succeed. <laughs> what? Please don't do this. <laughs> and even he was overruled. Mm, and trust wow. me, that guy got everything else he wanted. I love James L. Brooks and his movies, but man, I went to a Q and A with him and for broadcast news. Fucking fantastic movie. And then oh, he's like, yeah. someone asked him a Simpsons question. He's like, the Simpsons? Oh, that thing I created that's made me billions of dollars. He like <laughs> forgot it. Because he doesn't work on the Simpsons. He, he worked on it for a few years, three years in 1990 and like just totally forgot about it. He forgot <laughs> he created the Simpsons. Oh, I saw it. I was there. I was, <laughs> I was Anyway, that is literally the movies for or the, the television for um, October 9th through the 15th of 1990. But video games, we do have one this week, and it's a big one. We'll talk more about it on Patreon.com slash Time, hopefully with, with uh, our boy Chris Baker, who's been jumping on the last few ones uh, like a fucking grenade. Thank you, Chris Baker. <laughs> Just had a baby and is willing to talk to us for hours on end about uh, video I game anniversaries. Yeah, I'm not surprised <laughs> by that at all. Had a baby during yeah, quarantine. Yeah, some time away from that baby. And, uh, but LucasArts, The Secret of Monkey Island is out this Woo! week. Ron Gilbert, Tim Schafer. Mm-hmm. This is like the oldest game that I would really like to play, and I feel bad that I haven't played. Because it's uh, it's it funny. So up my alley. It's funny. It's silly. Yeah, it's silly. And like, if you had ever played other adventure games where you're like, it is trial and error. They're too clever for their own good, and you're just dying constantly. Like, I think Ron Gilbert's like, fuck dying. We don't have to have the, the player can fail without dying, and it's <laughs> funny, and it's it's a good read. Like, uh. I remember when I met Sam, he had like the actual instruction book. The instruction booklets were funny reads in their, on their own. They were awesome uh, for all this stuff. But Secret of Monkey Island is out this week, 30 years old. Music of 1990, October 9th through the 15th. Uh, we have new releases, too, because it's a week and things are released every week. Um, Souls of Black by Testament. Change of Season by Hall & Oates had a new album out in 1990. Uh, yeah. Edge of the Century by Styx. Seasons in the Abyss by Slayer. Shooting Straight in the Dark by um, Mary Chapin Carpenter and Nowhere to Ride. Um, oh, and Nowhere by Ride. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I assume they did a soundtrack for one of the snowboarding movies. Ride. Uh, yeah. But we're going to take ourselves out with Praying for Time by George Michael because it's number one. Yeah, this shocked me because I did not remember this song. I remembered Freedom 90. Yeah. Of course. And we've already played Freedom 90, but it never made it to number one. Praying for Time is actually the lead oh. single. And it's kind of it's kind of apocalyptic though. <laughs> it's not like a happy love song. It makes me feel very on edge. <laughs> so we... it's perfect for 2020, everybody. Yeah. We put it on Laser Times. Happy songs about the end of the world. Is it that bad? Not quite. Okay, that but was... makes me feel about the same. That was your husband's joint. But let's close out with some. Uh, uh, as a, for me, unheard George Michael. When we come back, Christina Aguilera. I have heard.
coming into the year 2000 with Christina Aguilera, famous game show host. <laughs> Come on over, baby. All I want is you. Um, which might be more my, of a game show judge. It's it might be my favorite Aguilera song. I'm not kidding. It's a good one. I like my more up tempo stuff, and this is this is great. Does she even like reference her other songs in this song? I also love it when people do that. Mm. <laughs> she does a "What a Girl Wants" like in here really fast. Oh yeah, that's right. She does at the end. That is good. I love that. Yeah, yeah. I love it when people name check their own songs. <laughs> I'm partial to "Ain't No Other Band," which is also very good. Oh up-tempo. yeah. That's a great one. That's a great song. Mm-hmm. But yeah, welcome to number one, Aguilera. Brittany can't stop it. T- stop you now. Um, you also have new releases. Welcome to 2000, I should say. October 9th to the 15th. Other new music releases. Black Market Music by Placebo. Uh, nothing's going to top that Cruel Intention soundtrack. Uh, mm, <laughs> I love Placebo so much. So my top three favorite bands are bands that nobody talks about. And I'm not saying that because I'm like a cool person with hipster cred. <laughs> it's because sometimes I think like, did these people do something really bad? And that's why nobody talks about them. So I've had to look up Placebo yeah. before just to make sure they're not like why, you know, white supremacists or something like why that. Why is Harvey Danger canceled? Exactly. It's Harvey Danger, it's Placebo, and it's Jump Little Children. Like, nobody talks about these bands, and I'm very paranoid about it. (laughs) But yes, I love Placebo, and this is a great album. Not my favorite, but it's a really... I will always sing the praises of Placebo, because as far as I know haven't done anything really bad yet. Mm. Uh, lift your skinny fists like antennas to heaven by Godspeed, you black emperor. Bet by Bette Midler. What a big week for, for the word bet. Um, uh, blue- I love that... <laughs> Godspeed Your Black Emperor has the most complicated album title and name, and then we go right into the simplest album title and name, which is just Bet by Bet Midler. Yeah. I even took out the punctuation from Godspeed You Blank Black Emperor to make things easier for On Chris. Me. Oh, Christopher it's supposed to be, style. Yeah. Godspeed you Black, Black Emperor. Is it There's really an exclamation point in there? Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh Blue Moon by <laughs> Steve Holly. If I could fly by Merle Haggard, uh Breach by the Wallflowers, Rule three thirty six by Ja Rule and Warriors by M.O.P. Um, you know what my favorite thing about Merle Haggard is? Hmm. He looks exactly like his name. Like, yeah. every <laughs> time. Every time. Yep. Uh, anyway, welcome to 2000, October 9th to the 15th. Here's a little bit of news to bring you into the whole world of 2000 this week. The USS Cole is bombed in uh, Aden, Yemen, and it is by a little, tiny, independent band called Al-Qaeda. It might have yeah. been, it was the, I would say it was the first time I heard of them, but I was not paying attention to the news yet. It is what everybody referenced when we thought Al-Qaeda did 9-11, the USS yeah. Cole. Yeah, and, this is yeah. by far not their first time targeting Americans because they blew up two embassies in 1998. Mm-hmm. But this time, oh, shit. Well, I mean, like, you attack you, you the military. Mm-hmm. This got everybody's attention. And it's somewhere around here that it's, I think, Bill Clinton, who is still the president for another, mm-hmm. yeah, until the election... He said somewhere around here, like he had the chance to take out bin Laden. I, and he was like, I that's almost, extrajudicial assassination. I can't do it. I almost got mm. the clip um, because it's one of the funniest clips ever. And, you know, they think what you want of Bill Clinton. He he sat down for a Fox News interview. And he's like, yeah, I was here to promote my charity. I knew you guys use this. And he like whips off like the presidential thing and like, you tried to get me with this. But you motherfuckers, I tried to get it. I tried to get Bin Laden and USS Cole. Wow. He starts talking about I this. I remember that clip. Yeah, yeah, and he shuts down this Fox News interview. You can say whatever you want about me, but I fucking tried. Like, mm-hmm. what did your guy do? <laughs> <laughs> 
It was. It's hot. Yeah. Bill Clinton, Did he Fox kill Bill News. Laden? Yeah. <laughs> Did, hey, didn't even go after him. Uh, yep. Seventeen and killed. It, and oh, and it turns out, uh, yeah, seventeen killed, thirty-nine injured. Mm-hmm. Uh, ship heavily damaged. Uh, it was two suicide guys on a tiny little boat with like four hundred pounds of C four. Yeah, man. And the mastermind of it, uh, and came to the U.S. shortly afterwards, and he was one of the hijackers uh, on nine eleven. Also, um, yeah, yeah, it's but all it, this, well connected when you're part of a network. If you're a little older than me, and maybe Diana. <laughs> Mm-hmm. This might have been the first time you heard of A. L. Qaeda or B. Osama bin Laden this week. Yeah, in the news. I th- I think so because mm-hmm. I I think and then they said like oh and also he was behind that bombing of the embassy in Tanzania and I was like oh dots are connected mm-hmm. these aren't random it's one group okay got it I will remember that name yeah it's amazing how <sighs> blind and I Americans are willing to turn to terrorists as, if they're not living in this country oh yeah. Antifa oh my god. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> Nobel Prize. Uh, we have a Nobel Peace Prize this week, but Kim Dae-jung uh, that, for his democracy work in South Korea. And since I don't know what that is, I'll have to go to Diana on this. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So uh, he was president of South Korea at the time. He's only the eighth president sworn in in 1998. Yeah. But uh, he was the first opposition candidate to win after 50 years of conservative rule. Ooh. Yeah. So as much as South Korea is, you know, a democracy, they have... Say that Issues? more. Say that more, Bostony, please. <laughs> Sorry, it came out very democracy. Boston. Democracy. Yeah. <laughs> they've they've had some issues when it comes to like fair and open elections and mm-hmm. not having fist fights on the floor of parliament. Mm, have I they ha- do that sometimes. Have but I? But they've knocked out this COVID shit. Oh my god. <laughs> oh. Well, there's that. I sure? am so, so jealous. I I read a bunch of different people who visited South Korea in the last couple of months about how like. You are immediately put into quarantine. You are tested. You have to download an app on your phone and it talks to you every single day. Mm-hmm. It makes you take your temperature and it tracks who you're with and what you're doing. And it's like, damn. I mean, civil liberties, no, but public health, yeah. yeah. I mean, they all get to hug their parents, yeah. which That'd is more nice. than I can say for myself yeah, for the past it, eight months. And it beats a president who says, like, I'm just going to hold it hostage until after the election. <laughs> yeah. You are all, we're, I'm only all America for ransom. Yeah. Uh, no, America would love it if you just cut us checks again. Yeah. But you're not going to do that? No. I don't, no. Uh, Nobody gets paid but his rich friends. Um, why? Anyway, what? Lo- <laughs> movies of 2000, October 19th to 15th. Lost Souls, another Winona Ryder joint. Oh, will she be a coast to coast 30 2010 champ this year? Uh, this week? I don't know. Also, sorry, Ben no, Chaplin. Um, Sarah Winter, Philip Baker Hall, and John Hurt. Lost Souls, it is not the documentary on Island of Dr. Moreau. No, it's like a millennial horror haunting kind of movie. But it's interesting. <laughs> In, yeah, we've had a billion of these already, you know. But It has to deal with possession, right? Right. Okay, I'm pretty sure we covered this. Was it last year or two years ago when we talked about uh, religious horror movies? Oh, I'm pretty okay. sure we talked about it in that episode. Right. Yeah, I think the and most notable... Time. The, the most notable thing about it, it is the directorial debut and kind of the last gasp of Janusz Kaminski, who uh, is a name you don't recognize, but you have seen a lot of his work because he has been the director of photography on every Spielberg movie since Schindler's wow. List. Oh. All of them. Mm. Okay. He is an amazing cinematographer. Mm. Not so much a director. Okay. And uh, <laughs> a movie I did not bother rewatch, but I had described to me by one of our panelists this week. Oh. Uh uh yeah oh, god uh Mr. T and the movie. women that's that's how we said it at first <laughs> Mr. T and the women uh, 
a pity to womb. Dr. T and the women with Richard Gere, Helen Hunt, Farrah Fawcett, Laura Dern, Shelley Long, Kate Hudson, Liv Tyler, and Tara Reid. And I don't even think that scratches the surface of the famous ladies who are in this film. Because it's a lot. It's a Robert Altman film, right? Yep. Oh. Mm. Dr. T. What kind of doctor is he? He's the lucky kind. <laughs> Women are saints. Every single woman got something special about her. The gynecologist says there's no two alike. I guess there's no two alike. It's an emergency. I'm not trying to talk to him. These women are crazy. Director Robert Altman. You're different than any woman I've ever known. Richard Gere. I want you to run away with me. Dr. T and the women. The Phillies are getting all a little restless. Rated R. I don't. I think this is one of uh, the Robert Altman movies. I remember not getting unanimous praise. Oh yeah, no. that's no. because this movie is fucking bananas. <laughs> <laughs> Most of it is just kind of annoying because it's just like, look at these crazy women. They always mm-hmm. be shopping and they always be talking sassy. <laughs> and like every woman is the same woman. Like. They all play the same character except for one, which is Helen Hunt, who's a cool girl because she's a golf pro. (laughs) But yeah, it's wild. Like he plays a gynecologist in this town. Apparently all the women go to him because, of course, I mean, if anyone's going to have to look at your bits, might as well be Richard Gere. (laughs) I'm down. Are you? (laughs) I mean. Is that really what women look for in a gynecologist? I hope he's cute. (laughs) No. I look for someone who has the same equipment I do. Why would I go to a mechanic that doesn't own a car? Yeah. (laughs) Stupid hippie. What are you going to do for my Chrysler? (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, so he's married to Farrah Fawcett, but she's having some sort of psychological break. So she is in a... um, some sort of like institution basically. And then he falls in love with Helen Hunt as the golf pro. Meanwhile, his daughter's getting married. It's just all these women yap, yap, yapping at him. And Mm -hmm. so at the end of it, he gets fed up with everyone, drives his convertible out of town into a storm, into a tornado. Hmm. There's a very long scene of him spinning around in the tornado in his convertible. Like, <laughs> and then he wakes up in the desert in Mexico, question mark. And uh, there's some Spanish speaking, like Latinx people that are like, hey, come help us. This lady's having a baby because they know he's a gynecologist, apparently. And then he goes in <laughs> to deliver this child in their house. And it is the most graphic childbirth mm-hmm. scene i've ever <laughs> seen in mm-hmm. my life like yep. way more than um knocked up, knocked up? Mm-hmm. i yeah. mean it goes on forever you see you see a child's head come out of a lady's labia i mean that was yeah. a prosthetic and knocked up but i have to imagine he's pulling a coppola here and just filming a live birth <laughs> it like, is I wild no yeah i remember seeing I this do. and then like did he die? Is this am I not interpreting the meaning of the scene? And then I never thought about it again until Sarah. And the movie ends. Yes, I know. <laughs> yeah. I, I never thought about it again until just now. Oh goodness. It's, yeah. I uh I saw this is when I believe I saw it a free screening and just walked out like angry. Like, mm-hmm. why did I just waste my time? Uh, which is tough because I I don't know if I've seen a Robert Altman movie that has zero redeeming qualities. Mm. Like there's always one good performance or like one interesting sequence or something and it's like yeah but i just i i i guess i like helen hunt in this because there there is a point where he's she it turns out like she is also seeing another guy and richard gear is like no it's me or him and she's like 
I don't have to choose. What are you even <laughs> talking about? We're not exclusive. You're fucking married. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm with who I feel like being with. And it was like, hey, thank you, movie. You had a redeeming quality. Why is he driving into that tornado? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Why not, am I watching not a recommend? A clinical version of childbirth. Like, I mean, a child emerges on yeah. screen. And it's so, so much of the rest of the movie is, yeah, just bitches be lunching. Yeah. It's <laughs> wearing hats. Yeah. It's just like bridal showers that are like, a, they're like the scene out of my worst nightmares. It's just a bunch of really overdressed women just chat, 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 chatting. And I'm like, oh. are we the same species? <laughs> I'm going to take like a whole bunch of these deviled eggs and hide in the bathroom. Okay, bye. I, I, that's, I agree. I love a shower, a bridal or a baby. Only for the food. I love shower yeah. food. I love Eggs. a tiny sandwich. I love a deviled egg. <laughs> I love a spinach and artichoke dip. <laughs> but not, yeah, not a chocolate flavored penis pop. That is mm. a boy's delight. Um, yeah, that's bachelorette food. Mm. Hell yeah. And uh, man, this movie, Speaking which I, I try <laughs> and I try and redeem, uh, Tim Meadows, Karen Parsons, Billy D. Williams. Tiffany Thiessen, Lee Evans, and a very small part for Will Ferrell, I would say very contractual as well. Uh, the, the Ladies' Man, the second-to-last SNL movie ever. What happened? He is Leon Phelps. If you have a romantic query and you are under the age of 50 uh, and you're not freaky or disgusting, please give us a call. The Ladies' Man. Barney, is that you? You have a man in there with you? Listen, baby, that was cool, but I got to go. Ladies absolutely love him. I brought you some flowers. They look and feel plastic, but they smell real. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the weird thing. Like, this is panned and no one likes it. And it's it's like mm -hmm. the end of SNL Studios at that point. The movie production imprint at Paramount that Lorne Michaels headed that would make it an SNL movie almost every year um, with Night of the Roxbury into Superstar into this. And mm -hmm. I think all of them are terrible, but this is the best one of those. Really? Yes. Because sure. this is like the tiniest hook to hang a movie on. It, it <laughs> is, but it's still like a mildly relatable hook. And it's just like, it's the least stupid. And I love broad. Really? I, I, dude, I love the broad characters of Mary Catherine Gallagher. I think on the show, I would prefer Mary Catherine Gallagher than the Roxbury Boys. But like mm. giving them lines and like a life, like it sucks. Giving Leon Phelps a life doesn't suck. He's funny in a lot of different situations. And I, I don't know, maybe I just really like Tim Meadows. And it's like the only movie he yeah. ever got to star in. Yeah. Yeah. I love Tim Meadows. Mm -hmm. uh, I, so I, great. I hated this. this. I mean, it's like barely a movie and it's just, yeah, they, they don't build on the joke more. No, not it's, even slightly. That That's the problem. If you compare this to something like Anchorman, where it's like they're building out the joke mm -hmm. and this is just the joke. That he is a womanizer from the seventies. It is. Yeah, inarguably stupid, but I just ended up falling in love with the sketches. Though I, I don't know, I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get his lisp that he sounds like a gay yeah. man, but he fucks all the ladies. He's also from the seventies for no reason. <laughs> uh, it, it it's it's really weird to watch. But I remember like this is not as embarrassing as the previous two movies, and mm. and I like all I like all those yeah, stars yeah. and sketches a little more. And I, I I can't hold my hat on that. We did a whole laser time about SNL movies ranked, and nothing's going to compete with. Wayne's World, Blues Brothers, and McGruber. And mm -hmm. Coneheads is way up there yep. as well. Coneheads mm -hmm. is how an SNL movie should be, by the way. Because it keeps rerunning on fucking 
IFC, and I love talking about Channel Drift. The independent film channel constantly runs the co- fucking <laughs> major motion picture studios Coneheads movie. I mean, and it's always <laughs> on, but slightly it, off. It's it, because that movie is great. It's a really stupid concept, but they somehow squeezed in the entire working cast of SNL from that year outside of Mike Myers and Dana Carvey. They're all in that movie in little pieces, and it's that's really fun. Where did Stuart Smiley Saves His Family fall on your list? I, I, it's fantastic. It's really, yeah. really good. Harold Ramis called his favorite movie that he made. Yeah. I love it. I think yeah. that movie's fantastic. I think it's as hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But again, I, I love SNL, so I'm not the best person to ask. It's, hmm. <laughs> it's like asking like a, it's like asking Michael what he thinks of every Naruto game. He's such a huge fan of the Nine-Tailed Fox. He's never going to give you an unbiased answer. Uh, <laughs> That's what I always say. <laughs> she won't stop saying it, to be quite honest. And and now for like, I think one of the greatest movie nobody ever talks about. Agree. And uh, I love this movie. It's great. I... I love this movie, but there is so much to talk about. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's like this. This movie is not a movie; it's just a discussion prompt. Yeah, mm. and remember, twenty years ago, they're they're going through the exact same stuff. Well, <laughs> the exact same mm. scheduled things of an election are happening: debates and primaries and all that shit. Uh, so Philip Baker Hall, uh, Saul Rubnick, William D- William L. Peterson, Sam Elliott, Christian Slater, Jeff Bridges, Joan Allen, and Gary Oldman team up for the contender. Ladies and gentlemen, Vice President-designate Lane Hansen. We all have to understand we're going to obliterate a life. You were involved in a sexual deviance. She was putting on a sex show. What exactly happened that night? She was very drunk. It's nobody's business. What is our business? Sometimes you can assassinate a leader. Oh, my God. Without firing a shot. We're both sticking to our guns. The difference is mine are loaded. The Contender. Oh, I love Gary Oldman's hairstyle choice in this. Gary Oldman gives one of his great performances in this movie, and it pisses me off so much that it's unrecognized. Uh Yeah, yeah, I agree. It was was in the middle of a bunch of, like, he's coming off like fucking Fifth Element. (laughs) Now I'm going to play it. Also really great, by the way. Mm Mm-hmm. But the yeah. contender, no, he's great. He he produced this movie also, and apparently was not as happy with how it turned out. But I, Why? I don't know if it's because he's got money, he's got money in the game or what. But seriously, a deeply underrecognized performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is one of the anyway. few movies I had on DVD in my dorm room. <laughs> like, whoa, yeah, I just really love this movie. I, I, I wonder this what... movie also ruined Joan Allen and long hair for me because she will always be a pixie cut. <laughs> and that's that. I gotta, I gotta wonder that. what it's like to to be a lady who sees this movie twenty years ago because these weren't problems hampering me. And I I don't know. I still remember. I don't know. How do we want to talk about this movie? Well, I do not want to spoil this movie because mm-hmm. the reveal I think is really powerful. I think the reveal is fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. And the reveal is amazing. It's one of the best reveals in movie history. And maybe it'll drive people to see more people to see it yeah, if they okay. know that there is a reveal that I think is really important and really, really cool. Um, I'm trying to remember the exact yeah. line she says to the cock, but it's one of my favorite things. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, sorry, I don't smoke. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no, here's so here's what the movie is about. Um, President Jeff Bridges, who. Yes, I would vote for. Um, his vice president has died, and he needs to nominate a successor. And he nominates Senator Joan Allen. And immediately, uh, House it seems to be Speaker of the House Gary Oldman, who's a Republican, and the other guys are Democrats, just is no, no, I don't like her. I like this other centrist guy, William Peterson. He's great. Joan Allen sucks. We're going to dig up anything we can 
to stop her. And they dig up this rumor from college that she was part of a gangbang. Mm-hmm. And here's where I feel like the discussion portion <laughs> begins is instead of denying it, she refuses to answer. She's yeah. like, I, that is beneath contempt and I will not answer yes uh-huh. or no to any of these questions. It's nobody's it's fucking about, business. Yeah. And it's about how, I mean, it's about sexist double standards. One thing that it's about now, 20 years later, that was not about then is that they all say she was dropped down drunk. Mm-hmm. The people who say she was part of the gangbang. So was it a gangbang? Are we actually talking about rape now? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's not in the movie, but it is when you watch it in 2020. Yes. Yeah. And I think anyone who wants to make any comparisons to what we went through with the more recent uh, Supreme Court justice that, you know, there's a big difference in how that conversation plays out when you're talking about who's a victim and who's a predator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my big complaint about this is, I mean, it wraps up. It, it really reminds me of the American president, how it just wraps up as a Democrat fairy tale of like, yeah. no, I am the president and I'm telling you guys to stop being dicks. And everyone stands up and applauds. Yay. We love not being a dick and doing things for our own party's gain. And it's like, no, that's not how that goes at all. Yeah. Do you yeah, think, do you think <laughs> that woman would be called slut in every Washington DC Starbucks for the rest of her days? Yes. Act- she wouldn't even be a congressperson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, she she would not get confirmed. She would probably lose her reelection to uh, a hard Christian Republican, and that would be the end of that. And we would just call her slot forever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's yep. it's fucking depressing and weirdly prescient. And I, I never, I never really even I think about this movie pretty regularly because it's at the time I think it was one of the first I don't know like truly like weirdly underhanded partisan depictions in a movie I've ever seen mm. in like a, a modern movie in my lifetime. Cause this this wasn't this is minorly based on like the Clinton Lewinsky thing, but like right. we hadn't we hadn't seen anything like that yet. We have now, mm-hmm. <laughs> we have now when it comes to confirmations. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this is thoroughly worth a watch, man. Um, this this yeah, is it's my definitely right interesting. I feel like it. it's only worth a watch for the couple scenes of President Jeff Bridges and his running gag of trying to stymie the kitchen at the White House, mm-hmm. trying to come up with something they don't have. Gosh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, he's like, yeah, guys, could you get me uh, some penne and some hazelnut ice cream and a shark steak sandwich? And they're like, yeah, no problem. So he's like, damn it. Also, he's in the White House bowling alley. Like he has that picture of Nixon and Big Lebowski. <laughs> oh, uh, very cool. <laughs> And, yeah, and it, also Sam Elliott's in it. So big Lebowski yeah. all over the place. Yeah, oh, and I, I watched it because it ended up getting nominated for an Oscar for both mm-hmm. Diane Lane and uh, Jeff Bridges, which they had, that had Joan not Allen. happened before. Joan uh, Allen, not Joan, Diane Lane. Oh, my bad. Diane, Diane Lane would be great own, in this too, though. I'm, I'm on a different tab. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, they both got Oscar nominations for this. Gary Oldman didn't for some weird reason. That's um, bullshit. Yeah, he is really good in that. Like, he's mm-hmm. a villain, but... I understand where he's coming from because it's partisan politics. Mm-hmm. It's do whatever you got to do for your team to win. Who yeah. cares who suffers? Especially I don't care when your team, Especially when your team will never get the most votes. Do whatever you have to do. Sure. Oh, yeah. when do we stop saying this? Like, anyway. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's, yeah, watch it with people so you can discuss afterwards. Yeah, this is my recommended the week. Yeah, maybe. 100%. I might be with that. Let me see how. I, no, they're one of my favorite movies ever. Is in the next segment. I can't do it. You can't. <laughs> I can't. Uh, television is a lot busier this week in 2000. Um, a TV show I've never heard of called Welcome to New York debuts with 
Jim Gaffigan, Christine Barinsky, and Sarah Gilbert. Huh? I like uh, all these yeah. people. Did I not show up yeah. for this? No, well, we got a bunch of early cancellations, but mm. I just threw out the ones that are interesting with interesting casts. And this is about uh, Weatherman Jim Gaffigan gets a job at the big New York studio run by Christine Baranski. And that sounds adorable. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want more Jim Gaffigan, honestly. Mm. Like, just keep giving us more. Um, he had a really great situation comedy on TV land, I believe, oh, I was the Jim Gaffigan he, show. He had a really great <laughs> Twitter rage. You people oh, are idiots. Even better, but yeah, he's. I just want him to have like a nine-season sitcom that he's like brilliant in because I love. He's him so much. the only redeemable thing about that movie, Drunk Parents, that I never watch anything on Netflix because it hits the just because it hits the top ten. Uh, never even heard of that. Yeah, man, I saw it at the dollar store this weekend. <laughs> You got uh, drunk parents, bad moms, bad teachers, mm, bad Santa. Yeah. Don't don't make people night. wonder what this movie's about. Don't make them do any research. Just <laughs> uh the Gina Davis show, weirdly starring Mimi Rogers. Um no, and also <laughs> Gina Davis. Tom Cruise's um, ex wife? Yeah, yeah, now yeah. ex wife. Um man, I remember all this. What the fuck? Bet debuts or, with the album or the show? The, the show both the answer the is show both. debuts um and another one that goes you know like half a season but it's i mean it's got a solid rest of the cast uh lindsay lohan's in the pilot she gets replaced uh joanna gleason kevin dunn robert hayes play her husbands of different times but it's kind of bet miller like pretending to play herself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know and that she is like a singer actress who's famous and has weird fans and is trying to like rebuild her career like that's fun i love her i mean we've got another you know blending of reality and tv that we're gonna talk about in a sec so which one yeah no doesn't make it oh no not trading spaces you mean (laughs) no not trading spaces but yeah trading spaces trading trading spaces man was huge huge Mm -hmm. it was i called it i called it like like girlfriend's a girlfriend sedative you never take me out anymore (laughs) you never go anywhere pages on (laughs) <laughs> One hour, just like silent. This is great. I can play whatever game I want. <laughs> and, oh, guess oh, what? Man. They're running a marathon because they always are. And she yeah. just mm-hmm. could not look away from trading spaces. This show was a huge show for me and my mom and my sister. So stupid. And of course it was. And we would watch it together all the time. And the idea is that like two families or couples or whatever would switch houses and redecorate one room in each other's house. And <laughs> The best thing about the show is that oftentimes it would go very badly. (laughs) Yeah, I like. If I ever saw a room, I was like, oh, that's an improvement. No, most people are being very nice. I can take this down, right? Yeah, I like farms. It doesn't mean I wanted hay glued to my fucking wall. (laughs) Thanks a lot, Hildy. That was all Hildy. We all can remember that episode. But yes. Or. Vern, yep, yes, I do have a lot of Japanese teapots. I don't want my whole living room painted red. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks a lot, Vern, yep. Holy shit, there's a bunch of YouTube compilations of Trading Spaces fails. I'm going... I'm going right to this after the show. Oh, oh, I'm recording. The people, yeah. like the look in their eyes, they're just the light die where they're like, oh, I don't love yeah. trains that much. No, no, no. Like, yeah, go, I, as a man, oh. I, as a man watching the show, like, Oh, I don't care. What do you think? And I turn to someone, you can just see like barely contained rage. I'm trying my best to be nice, but I'm about to cry or explode. And, <laughs> but more importantly, maybe even this show gave us Ty Pennington. 
who is the host of Extreme Home Makeover. And I think every year more and more turning into a cartoon character. Well, yeah. (laughs) Sometimes drives drunk. Reading an article about he leaves people with unaffordable homes with massive property taxes that they can't afford to pay. Yeah, not great. He's basically Uh he's basically like a Pied Piper that leaves defaults as a dust cloud. (laughs) (laughs) He sucks. Um, But I think what Diana was transitioning to when reality meets fiction uh, Mm -hmm. is the debut of one of shit. I don't know if many shows we'll talk about that are on the air twenty years ago and still on the air now, especially. And I, I could call this a scripted show, I suppose, but it's Kirby Enthusiasm. It's actual debut for Yay. realsies, as the notes say, and I know with Sarah. Yeah. And, no, uh, that, I'm that pretty was, sure that was me. That was all die. Oh. <laughs> yeah, debuting for realsies, because there was like the, you know, the first episode was sort of a movie. Backdoor pilot It was a comedy special. Yeah. It was marketed as a comedy special. Mm-hmm. Larry right. David's Kirby Enthusiasm. And I remember tuning in like he's not doing stand up. And that's mm-hmm. what the whole thing is about. It's a mockumentary. Yep. And this is not that. And I was glad because I don't like the pilot very much. No, nope. but now mm-hmm. we're into the show proper. Now it's a series. Mm-hmm. And it's I, and it's great. I, I've mm-hmm. seen shows try and uh, there's a lot of shows that try and do that semi semi uh, improvisational thing. But at the time, like it was a breath of fresh air. I, I don't know. Just I'd never mm-hmm. seen anything like it. Yep. And people talking very honestly because it's not scripted because it's HBO. No one has to be afraid of what they might say. Mm-hmm. It's because we're all, they're all playing characters. Be sexist or racist if you need to, because and they will. And, <laughs> oh, and, uh, my favorite thing about Curb is because they make each other laugh all the time. Yes, which that is one thing that always kind of bothers me about sitcoms. Yeah, where where, where like friends are hanging out all the time, literally talking about the show Friends. Yeah, like people are saying funny things and nobody's laughing. Yeah. Like we make each other laugh. <laughs> All the time when we're hanging out. Yeah, and so, like, I think occasionally, just, even as friends, we'd like we would have to be like Uncle Joey, step aside and please enjoy the epic burn that was directed as a torpedo right towards you. Don't yeah. try and recover; <laughs> just let us bask in this. It's so good. Instead, <laughs> they just move on. Whereas in Curb, in this clip, in the I love it's the pants tent, and I mm. I think this like Seinfeld <laughs> becomes like a season long thing of the. <laughs> this was a much bigger problem when I was in middle school and. You never knew when erections were coming, but like, mm. uh, does this pant? Do these pants make me look like I have a heart on? <laughs> <laughs> well, when and, you got a wide whale uh, corduroy, it's rough. Yeah, and and, and just I, I love the discussion between uh, Cheryl Hines and Larry David in the very first episode of Caribbean Enthusiasm. Well, what's going on? Yeah, what's yeah. going on? What's what going is on? going on? Tugs of pants. It's just material. Yeah, I know, but. But really, look at these pants. I've seen pants bunch up. I have before, never yes. seen a bunch up like this in my life. I this have. is like a five inch bunch up I got here. Well, you don't have to play with it. Is it a bad thing? <laughs> Maybe it's not such a bad thing, you know? Oh, because you is want this, people to think that you constantly have is this an a, erection. Is it a bad thing for men to walk around like yeah, that? Yeah, huh? it is. I just like, one of my favorite things about Seinfeld and also about Curb is the immediate turning something into a thing. Like, now we have a term for this. It's called a bunch up, you know, instead of like... <laughs> It's now it's like a proper noun, basically. You got a bunch up going on. You have to do the stop and chat. It's a whole thing. Let me say, I don't bait people into doing this, but it is endlessly entertaining to sit back and wait to see what a woman calls an erection. (laughs) 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 Or how, because it's it's very rarely just erection. It's usually some (laughs) silly term. Sarah, you're filled with silly terms. What do you say? (laughs) True. I don't know. Gosh. Pants puppet? No, we- <laughs> gross. 
Oh, it is. And so that that's what the episode is about. Like women just trying to whisper erection. <laughs> like, yes. Be more clinical. This is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and because I, I remember at the same time, I could have been guilty of being accused of having an erection. I had to like constantly watch the creases in my pants and I would like fucking iron khakis in the morning and shit. Cause Oof. yeah. Yeah. So glad to be out of that area. Khakis no, are no one's friend. No more khakis no. for me. Um, I do like my pleated jeans though. Uh, but on, on the 12th of October, Gilmore Girls, the second episode? Yeah, we're talking about the second episode. The only reason oh, yeah. I don't have any clips from it or anything, but the reason I bring it up is because this introduces a ton of beloved characters that last throughout the entire season um, and the entire run of the show. Um, and so in this episode, we also get to meet Sally Struthers, who plays their neighbor, Babette Dell, who is... <laughs> fantastic in the role i believe in the previous episode we get to see liz torres who also plays miss patty but we get to see more of her in this episode she's also fantastic um but my personal favor is we get to meet parrot um rory's longtime arch nemesis paris geller who Mm -hmm. is basically the type a like kind of mean girl but then they also are kind of friends and respect each other and it's played brilliantly Mm -hmm. by lisa well she is absolutely fantastic and she shows up later in how to get away with murder and i just want to see her in more things because she's such a fantastic actress but most importantly we get to see sean gunn who gets to show up in this episode um playing a guy named mick who is installing dsl in their uh, house which is all sounds really funny to me but (laughs) he actually later on just kind of turns into a reoccurring character named Kirk, who is basically the town's, I don't know, weirdo, basically, Mm. in a town Mm. full of weirdos. And But he is absolutely delightful and really became one of my favorite actors after seeing him on uh, Gilmore Girls. He's got my favorite Guardians lines, and he is also the real-life Rocket. If you've never seen behind the scenes, he is in a suit holding a fucking teddy bear that looks like Rocket Raccoon. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, but it's not obvious... His brother is James Gunn. Mm-hmm. I'm sure people know that. Anyways. I mean, it, it, I, I don't, I, I don't, I wasn't there. I, I associate him with James Gunn movies. I didn't really realize he had anything outside of James Gunn movies. Oh, he has a huge following with Gilmore Girls people who have no idea who <laughs> James Gunn is. Like, I remember one of our friends showed me Slither and I was like. Beautiful wait a minute, Kirk? Because I'm pretty sure he's in Slither, right? Yes, yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I was like, what is Kirk doing in Slither? (laughs) Wait for the credits. Uh, And on the 14th... I've I've been watching some more Gilmore Girls and I just got to an episode that has a lot of uh, Paris Geller in it. Mm -hmm. And it was like, what what is that? I'm like, I'm trying to put the puzzle pieces together until everyone's like, oh, she's like if Tracy Flick took mood stabilizers. Oh, she's she's kind of got the same like super drive of Tracy mm-hmm. Flick in election, but like also has people skills. Yes, but yeah. is also angrier in a lot of ways too, though. Yeah. Very intense. Yeah, yeah, I'm so glad you're watching it because pa- Paris also delivers some of the fastest dialogue. Like <laughs> she is that's saying something on that show. Exactly, man. she is like a machine gun, like with the dialogue and her references are just. Chef's kiss. <laughs> yeah, no, We're going to talk about Gilmore Girls, y'all, so let's just get I tried to find a clip away. of a, a Kate Hudson on SNL with Radiohead, and 
I'm pretty sure if you heard me joke about the operator sequence, that's in this episode. And if you Google Kate Hudson SNL, nothing comes up except uh, Will Ferrell inside the extra studio, James Lipton thing, where Drew Barrymore plays Kate Hudson. And it's pretty merciless. So <laughs> I find that a little silly. Um, <laughs> R.I.P. James Lipton. Uh, there are no games out this week. That very rarely happens. But I, wow. triple, I double checked, didn't triple check, but there's no games at all. Well, you're going to close that with Andy Up by M.O.P. And I'm going to read about who that is. And when we get back, I'll have my thesis for you well, as we get digging into 2010. Here's the thing is that uh, M.O.P., like, they, they did popular enough stuff. But this song, anytime you need something that's like gangster rap, this is the song that pops up now. This is kinda, it's a Mindy Project, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, um, Dickie Roberts' former child star, Brown Sugar, Last Castle, You Got Served, 30 Minutes or Less. Wow. All right. It's like, all this right. is the song they go to. Respect. All right. Um, and stay right there, people. 2010 is not too far away. And my favorite internet and all the ships at sea it's time for diana's classic corner where we look even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching and for the week of october 9th through 15th uh, we got a little bit of world war ii stuff left to deal with even though it's 75 years since you know that's all actually ended but 75 years ago this week october 15th 1945 the head of vichy france pierre laval was executed for treason and uh yeah he was the head of the collaborationist government with the Nazis. There's a lot of debate of, you know, how much of a Nazi actually was, or was he just thinking, oh, let's just go along to get along, and we'll just kind of give them what they want, and maybe we can make things better and fix things from the inside. And, yeah, just a reminder that um, aiding the enemy is still aiding the enemy. And, yes, he was executed for treason. Now, the reason I'm even mentioning this is because the movie we're talking about comes from five years to the day earlier, from 1940, turning 80 years old this week, is Charlie Chaplin's The Great Dictator, which should have warned him where this was going. Uh, the Great Dictator is uh, stars Charlie Chaplin and Paulette Goddard, and it's about this uh, Jewish guy who's accidentally mistaken for this Hitler-like fascist leader, and then like ends up kind of... Uh, taking his place and there's some wackiness and some real insight ensues and besides being like pretty ballsy in 1940 to be making fun of this fascist dick who started a war but a lot of people are still like maybe he's got some points maybe we can deal with this, this guy uh, Chaplin's like no this guy is a fucking menace and so is Mussolini and fascism and semitism and I'm going to make a movie making fun of them and how dumb their ideas are later on he said if he had known how bad things were going with the Nazis, like how bad the concentration camps were and how they were actually death camps, he might not have made this movie. So, I don't know, maybe bear that in mind while you watch it. Whenever you think about like, oh, we shouldn't make fun of these guys. We need to take them seriously. Yes and no. Like sometimes you gotta take some of the wind out of their sails by just pointing out what lunatics they are, how goofy it is, but also 
keep a fucking eye on them because they are bad and they will hurt you and they will hurt others. So if you've never seen The Great Dictator, besides being, you know, topical impression about World War II, it's also really fucking funny. So yeah, solid recommend for me. If you've never seen a Chaplin film or never seen a Chaplin film with sound, this is definitely the best one. Great Dictator from 1940. And that's it for this week. Stay classic. Welcome to 2010, and you know it's 2010 because Kings of Leon is bringing us in Radioactive off of their album Come Around Sundown, which uh, may or may not be out this week. Out this week, Di, what do you think? It's out this week. Out this week! Uh, <laughs> new, we also have some new releases. Right About Love from Belle and Sebastian. I was pausing for Sarah to chime in. <laughs> um, I mean, Belle and Sebastian is fine. It's a, many times it's a little twee for me, I'm not going to lie. Well, you're going to hate that new Postal Service news we're all anxiously waiting oh, for I'm this week. Oh, I'm so excited about we're the Recording Service. right before Don't. that drops. Even play, I'm so excited. Free Wired by uh, Far East Movement. No apologies by oh, America's Rose. Trapped. Uh, great band. <laughs> Better Twitter. And uh, Hannah Montana Tana Forever by Miley Silas, Cyrus as Hannah Montana. I always, Weird, I always mean to look into this because I think she had something in her contract. Like, uh, uh, no, I want my name on this shit. I don't want to be just like because uh, before, like I think pre Jonas Brothers, like. The Cheetah Girls Band, and nobody's name is brought up. They can't be, they may or may not be able to ride the success in the solo, in a solo career, but her name was like all over Hannah Montana. And that yeah, best but of Hannah both Montana worlds was shit. always bigger. I mean, the actual credit on this is by Hannah Ma- Montana. Yes. <laughs> and then yeah. it's like inside, like in the official legal stuff, it's like Bumbles by Miley Cyrus. But she had a best of both, wor- both worlds tour. Remember that where she, to- she, she yeah. pl- sang as both people? Yeah, anyway. Uh, well, just, also, just as a note, too, um, the song Like a G6 is off of this Far East Movement album, which is like mm-hmm. a huge song for sports arenas, certainly. Mm. Just enough. FYI. We, we were going to go out with that, I'll admit, but something intervened that made me want to go out with something else. So maybe I'll push it off to next week and Sounds or good. whenever it is I finally put in Cherry Pie. It must sure. have been our love for Gary Glitter. <laughs> Uh, Just the Way You Are by Bruno Mars is still number one as of October 9th to the 15th in uh, 2010. A little bit of news to bring you into 2010. Oh, my God. The last of 33 trapped Chilean miners are rescued. Um, wow. They were trapped down there for 69 days. Nice. Nice. And, uh, chee, chee, lay, lay. Yeah, that was, this was an, a very odd odd saga. Um, I'm, I, I'm even mixing it up with the, the, the kids trapped in the cave that was uh, from semi, even more recently. But, yeah, um, that was more recent. This was, I mean, it goes on for more than two months. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Of, yeah, of them tunneling down like this tiny little tunnel that they put like this, basically like a phone booth mm-hmm. that they're giving them like food and water until they can finally get like this phone booth sized thing that they can bring people up one at a time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, they, they managed to get them food and water and iPods to keep them busy. Nice. Mm-hmm. But there wasn't a way to get a hole big enough to get people out because it wasn't solid. So it was so cool to watch, man. Just as, yeah, as, from an engineering standpoint of like, hmm, how are they going to do this? And then, oh, yeah, let's just make a phone booth that goes to, down this hole. And uh, you squeeze yourself into the phone booth really tight yeah. and pull it back up. It's not that hard, Kirk Douglas. Yay! 
Uh, <laughs> uh, movies. I love learning other countries' chants. Like we have USA, USA, mm-hmm. and Japan is Nippon. Nippon. Oh, now I know. Chi chi le le. Um, and uh, movies of 2010, October 9th to the 15th. Oh my God! Not a new show from the Laser Time Network. Cairo Time uh, <laughs> is, is a movie starring Patricia Car- Clarkson and Alexander Siddig. Uh, Carlo, I don't know if you know anything about these times. Cairo time. We are covering mummies. We're covering onks. We're covering pyramids. I, I, I do appreciate I believe Brett pointed that out to me. Every southern fucking state has a Cairo that they've turned into Cairo. That's true. It, did I just say Cairo? You did. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Indeed, you did. Cairo. Uh, uh, that is why Diana looks so confused. Yeah. No, it's not a Korea, It's not a K-pop band. It's a it's a city in Egypt. Sorry. Like the syrup, Cairo? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like the syrup. Like the syrup. Uh, no. Yeah, let's run through these pretty fast. Uh, Cairo time is a romance, and it got mm-hmm. fantastic reviews and barely got released, but it was one of those, like, this is everybody's favorite at different you know film festivals and all that because you know it's it's a romance starring middle-aged people uh taking place in cairo with alexander siddig as a middle eastern guy and patricia clarkson as queen of everything patricia clarkson and Ooh. yeah this got amazing reviews sounds like a good date night movie mm. i'm sorry i didn't get to it because it does sound like oh a romance in a, a lovely environment and a shot on location yes that's exactly what i want right now thank you so yeah, Cairo time. Um, please check it out. Tell us, tell us if it's worth. Okay, another one uh, I did not get to is the Carlos miniseries, mm-hmm. um, which is supposed to be fantastic by Olivia Assayas, uh, starring Edgar Ramirez about Carlos the Jackal, because the full length version is three hundred and nineteen minutes. Oh. Whoa! I mean, yeah, it's technically a miniseries that they just like put all together and like. It's a movie. Give us awards. I remember this. Yes. I have been meaning. I've been meaning to just take like an entire week and watch both Carlos and Jay, which are both supposed to be fantastic and are both incredibly fucking long. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Carlos the Jackal. I just listened to a podcast about him. He is a very, very strange man. Ooh, uh, and also, I mean, like the most wanted terrorist in the world for like a decade. Hmm. But uh, yeah, very, very interesting. Strange guy. Buried with Ryan Reynolds, I did see. You did? I've seen it a couple of times. Yeah, it's it, you know, it's like one of those movies selling itself on a gimmick. We uh, Ryan Reynolds is buried in a coffin with nothing but a cell phone that is slowly dying. dying <laughs> his battery is slowly dying, and he's trying to contact as many people as he can, but he doesn't know where he is. Oh, and right. he's like one of the only people in the movie, so the movie is promising you, uh, we have made a movie with a major motion picture movie star, but with no sets, actors, or action set pieces. And if I may get very Norm Macdonald for a second, you know what made the movie better? More actors, sets, and set pieces. Uh, it, it, it delivers exactly what it promises. Ryan Reynolds in a in a Barry Grave the entire time. <laughs> but uh, I'll never watch it again. It was very tense. It's on Hulu. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It seems like it would be better as a short film, obviously. Mm-hmm. Nowhere Boy is a movie with uh, Aaron Johnson. I don't know you, Chris and Scott, Tom, Tom, Scott Thomas. A lot of three namies in here. Um, mm-hmm. Looks like the '90s <laughs> actors are all grown up. Thomas Brody Sangster and uh, Anna Marie Duff. Nowhere Boy. Nowhere Boy is honestly one of the best movies about the Beatles because mm. it's it's basically uh, John Lennon Begins. It's about him growing up and 
how he had kind of a fucked up childhood with his mom popping in and out of his life and not really knowing who he was and what he's doing. And it's quite good. Mm. Like, I mean, he's just, I keep waiting for it to turn into walk hard. And <laughs> instead it's more like, you know, your uh, guitar about- will never gently weep, John. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, <I> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we can, we can accomplish anything if we could only imagine, imagine. <laughs> <laughs> that scene. I have rewatched that scene so many times for Walk Hard. Oh my god, everyone walk everyone watch Walk Hard, it's on the, Netflix. Right and, now. and even still, the funniest thing about that whole scene is fucking uh Jason Schwartzman's Ringo face. <laughs> who, who looks like he's a lemon who's also farting like the whole time. No. <laughs> I wrote the song about an octopus. <laughs> we do, we do. Oh, my favorite thing is people making fun of the Beatles. Oh, God. It's my so, favorite. Anyway, so Nowhere Boy, it's basically like a movie about someone's troubled childhood in the late 50s, although incidentally, it's John Lennon. Hmm. But this got a whole bunch of attention because it kind of made Aaron Johnson, better known as Aaron Taylor Johnson, mm-hmm. uh, was his breakout role. And it got a whole bunch of attention because he was hooking up with the director, Sam Taylor Wood, now known as Sam Taylor Johnson. Mm, oh. She was 42 and he was 18. Oh, good for him or her. <laughs> I don't, I don't mm. <laughs> hey. So that was sort of like a, what? But they've been together barely this whole time and have some kids and it's all working out. Yeah. Cool. Ain't no but... law against it except for the laws. Mm, <laughs> <laughs> That's when it's like, there ain't no law, but also, hmm. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. 18's a bit young. Um, yeah. Never Let Me Go is out this week uh, with Sally Hawkins, Andrew Garfield, Carrie Mulligan, and Kira Knightley. And we have a little trailer noise to go with it. Yeah, trailer noise. I said it. Critics are raving about the one film that features the finest young actors of today. It had never occurred to me that our lives could unravel with such speed. Never Let Me Go is a masterpiece. Time Magazine raves it's a superb, poignant film about everlasting love. A film we'll be discussing 20 years from now. We are! You have real love, and I didn't. Carrie Mulligan, Andrew Garfield, and Kira Knightley. It's absolutely extraordinary. Never let me go. Rated R. Any, anybody else, please message me if anyone else is discussing this film. That's <laughs> why I had to go with that ad more than any other ad. <laughs> it's very overwrought. Yeah. Now, it's not that it's a good movie. I thought it was a good movie. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those, like, I don't know if I want to recommend it to people because it's like it's very sad and very heartfelt. Oh. And how about I recommend the novel? Because it is fantastic. It yeah. was the movie was based on a 2005 novel by Kazuo Ishiguro, who mm-hmm. uh, wrote The Remains of the Day as well. And it was shortlisted. I mean, it was one of the best novels of 2005. It was shortlisted for the um, Booker Prize. Like, wow. it's a big deal. It's a big, buzzy book from mm-hmm. the early 2000s. And it, I mean, I read it and it's fucking fantastic. One of my favorite books that I've read during I mean, that time period. Um, yeah. And I don't, I think it was kind of one of those situations where my experience reading the book was so pleasurable because the book is so fantastic and it is it, that I did not want to watch the movie, honestly, because mm. I was kind of like, uh, what more is this going to give me? And I considered watching it like last weekend just for the show, but I kind of just wanted to preserve my memory of how great the book experience was. And also the 
uh, trailer does not go into the fact that this is a dystopian novel that yeah. has some really serious science fiction elements in it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chris, you're going to recognize the plot of this novel right away, or what? this movie, because mm-hmm. it's about attractive people who are clones of famous people who oh. are used for organ harvesting. Oh, mm-hmm. parts the clonus horror? No. It's parts the clonus horror. <laughs> oh, the island. It's the island. It's the, it's island. the island. But parts of the Clonus horror got there first. God damn it. They did. I believe mm. they won a lawsuit against the island. <laughs> yep. Oh, damn. Um, yeah, they did. Uh, yeah, but it's actually like not, you know, an action adventure of them trying to break out and get uh-huh. free. It's more of like coping with their reality and falling in love and wanting to be with someone. And it's more about the emotions than the like, we've got to run away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, Kira Knightley, Carrie Mulligan, Andrew Garfield, Sally Hawkins. Yes, those are some of the best actors of their generation. So, Word. and they can cry really pretty. Mm. That's a big part of acting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what am I saying? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, never let me go. It's like, yeah, it's good. It's one of those sort of glossy, prestigious, sad movies. Mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. Like yeah, atonement. It, it kind of, I put it in the atonement category for myself because yeah, also like, atonement, the book was very good. Yeah. I liked atonement, the movie a lot more than I like this because it has a little more variety than this. You know, mm-hmm. it's got like going to France with the army and being a nurse and stuff. And I fucking love atonement, but yeah, this is, yeah, it's fine. Um, speak, speaking of maybe just fine, I can't wait to hear because I saw I, I oh. caught Sarah watching this over the weekend. Ernest I Borgnine. am so surprised that this is not number one at the box office. Uh-huh. Uh, well, not me. Uh, Ernest Borgnine, Brian Cox, Richard Dreyfus, Carl Urban, Mary Louise Parker, John Malkovich, uh, Helen Mirren, Morgan Freeman, and why I, I meant to watch it is because of Bruce Willis. Because mm-hmm. if you'll notice, it's during this period the people who have the clout to complain about Bruce Willis as an awful person to work with do. Um, Mm -hmm. And this was his biggest success around the period. People like Kevin Smith will call him out for his behavior during Cop Out and Sly Stallone will be like, why are you being such a dick about showing up for one second in The Expendables? Why should I pay you $3 million for that, you fucking idiot? Who's paying you that for anything? And it turns out it was movies like Red, which uh, I think eventually reaches number one at the box office. It merits a sequel. Red! used to be the CIA's top agents. This is Victoria, best wet work asset in the business. What's that? I kill people, dear. But the secrets they know just made them the agency's top targets. We're going to break into the CIA and find out who's trying to kill us. We're getting the band back together. On October 15th, there's no substitute for experience. That's right, old man. Old Man My Red. Red! Uh, Every time we have a movie like this, I feel worse and worse about being mean to Salt. (laughs) (laughs) Like, God damn, the action in Salt was so good. Why was I mean to it? Mm. Yeah. Because the action here is not good? Oh, Eh. I wouldn't give this a patented Sarah. It's dreadful, but (laughs) it's not good. (laughs) And, I mean, it's at least for free because it's on... um, Prime and Hulu, mm-hmm. uh, but it is not good and yeah. also pretty fucking boring and also very, very stupid. Yep. <laughs> very stupid. <laughs> uh, I don't know how to defend the next movie then. Okay. 
Yeah. Well, at least the next movie isn't boring. But yeah, I found big stretches of this boring. I mean, the idea is, oh, that they're like former assassins and now someone's trying to kill a Bruce Willis and he's going to go on to run and hook up with these other old crazy assassin types. And- Does anybody have a tally on how many movies Morgan Freeman has said we're getting the band back together in the last <laughs> 20 years? <laughs> Why does he always play like the old version of a guy we want to see on screen? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I also find the choice of Mary Louise Parker here to be very interesting. Which like, was so popular. I really love her, and she seems really miscast in this role. Yeah, where she's just sort of accidentally along for the ride. Because, yeah. Like, she's like uh, been friendly with Bruce Willis, and now that Bruce Willis has you know, been burned, uh, they're going to come after her too. But she's basically a captive for most of the movie. Yeah. Which I felt was kind of unnecessary. Like, uh-huh. her character didn't even really need to be here. Uh, hey, Ernest Borgnine popped up. That was fun. <laughs> it was like 106 or something at the time. That was neat. Mm. Yeah. No, I know it gets a sequel, but it's just... Uh, no. Didn't do it for me. Well. I apologize, Salt. Every time I just. I like it when I, as a very old person who drinks too much, can remember being in theaters 10 years ago, day one, because those movies aren't as strong, uh, given I haven't had years to reflect on them, but I can for the number one movie at the box office. Uh, should I even bother to read off the cast? Uh, yeah, the same. The people who haven't been in a movie since the last movie Ryan Dunn, Wee Man, Steve O, Bam Margera, and Johnny Knoxville in Jackass 3D. Hi, I'm Johnny Knoxville. Welcome to Jackass. Very visual. Jackass 3D. What it feel like? Felt like I got run over by a buffalo. In theaters this Friday. Uh, let me just can I just throw out some numbers for you? Please. Red cost a pretty reasonable for a movie its size, about sixty million dollars. <laughs> Jackass cost twenty, probably actually less. Yeah. And this uh held the record for biggest September opening I, or be- biggest October opening. I think it goes while. on to make a quarter of a billion dollars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unadjusted, ten it makes years about two hundred million dollars. Wow. And that's what's so that's funny. 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 If you watch this movie and there's a scene of uh, Chris Pani is tying a remote control helicopter to his dick and then flying the helicopter into the camera. <laughs> That's the test footage where Paramount, the people who greenlit The Godfather and Mission Impossible, said, yes, <laughs> yes, that should be up on the big screen. And I'm only saying that because like, um, that happened again before, before uh, the COVID outbreak. The Jackass <laughs> guys got a movie greenlit. Um, based on a piece of footage none of us have seen yet. Mm. And, and and otherwise, if you've been listening to the show, it's weird to think that the jackass phenomenon is encapsulated with 10 years almost to the day. Not unlike Dean yeah. Martin and Jerry yeah. Lewis. It, the show premieres, the third movie premieres, and that is it. There's a bad grandpa in there somewhere, but the rest of the cast is gone, and we all know it's not really the same. And Bad Trip is much better. Please see Eric Andre's movie because he's had a very great 2020. I love that man so much. Is Jackass 3D the one we watched at your house most recently? I don't know. Was it in the 3D? Um, no, sure. that was Bad Trip. <laughs> Did uh, we watch a Jackass movie? Yeah, I'm pretty sure we watched this also. Uh, maybe. The only way you should while outside eating a hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> this movie I don't know is... if I want to eat while watching this, man. 
I, I don't. I, I really can't think of another. As a testament to these movies, I can't think of another movie. I am so sad when it's over. I am, <laughs> I am so sad because you can always tell if you've watched enough Jackass. Like, oh, this looks like a set, and things are about to explode, and everyone's going to get hurt, and Rip Taylor's going to come out. Uh, <laughs> it's Jackass Three is great, and it's having watched the first episode of the sh- episode of the show in this in the span of the week. This is. It's amazing what the trajectory is like. And if you haven't seen Jackass 3D, it ends... Jackass also has the best credits of all time, um, where they show all their sketches that are too bad or outtakes uh, or stunts that weren't interesting enough for the film and real quick cuts over cool songs. This is Weezer's uh, Memories, and they show what all the people involved look like throughout the last couple of years and their baby pictures. I love that. And uh, to Weezer's memories, and it's it's pretty surreal, especially because we lost one of these guys. Mm-hmm. And it's bizarre that there's a, again they they the Chris Pontius helicopter dick footage that was my helicopter tie-in um, that got them a fucking movie greenlit that happened again and it's delayed. And as a huge fan, I I can't help but say, guys, please don't do this. Stevo <laughs> looks don't up do it to during COVID. Stevo looks up wait. to it. The rest of you look very old and out of shape. And I don't. I I, I don't know. If you, need, if you need the money, let's do an Indiegogo. I don't know. I don't know how much these I movies end up paying it's you. That. It's got to be some sort of chemical issue where they're like, I got to keep. I got to chase this high. Keep, yeah, keep mm. chasing this high, especially since I probably half of them shouldn't be getting high with chemicals anymore. So, And speaking of that, like, um, um, you know, I'm not like I wouldn't even say I'm the biggest Steve-O fan, but like we were I think we were talking about him, his drug problems and like he was he he filmed himself the whole time he was having drug mm. problems. It's surreal. So MTV has yeah. a good documentary about it. He's got a good YouTube channel that shows him like, this is when I started hearing voices and talking Ooh. back to them. And he has video footage of him filming himself by himself, hearing voices on drugs. It's very okay. crazy. And this is the first movie of his back from drugs. And they, they mentioned it in the film. They, uh, it's the first movie they get alcohol off the set. And oh. it's, oh. it's, it's inspiring to watch this dude. Like, that's awesome. Come out of recovery and like, and he's super gung ho, and he's like, kind of has the best footage in the film. Yeah. He, 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 he didn't. Yeah, I mean, I think I said this when we talked about Jackass premiering mm-hmm. ten years ago, but um, I Jackass, I never think about. It's never <laughs> one of the shows that I'm like, I, I love think this show it. or these movies, and yet every time Antista forces me to watch it, I laugh the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> It's so, so what, good. What was your favorite bit in this one? The playing tetherball with the beehive? I love uh, a crying Dave England. That's always very fun. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, getting someone's tooth pulled out by a Lamborghini. I that hate that oh, quite a bit. My least favorite because I'm very squeamish about anything having to do with teeth. I definitely had to close my eyes during that. Trivia, part. that was uh, Don Vito, the character who was on BAM show, but was also arrested for touching underage girls. So they had to reshoot oh, it with another dude. cast member to get his pulled out with a Lamborghini. Uh, my, oh, I really oh, love just, just because we we used some deal at our old company to rent one of these cameras. It was the the Phantom camera that can shoot a thousand frames a second. That really was yeah. like how the movie got greenlit. We can do three D. Yeah, well, I was trying to figure out like where's the twenty million dollars going. It's like well, some of it is helping these guys, and some of it is getting the high speed a thousand frames a second. That, that rental That's... that rental eight years ago was I think six thousand dollars a day and unaffordable to buy. That was mm-hmm. the rental on it. And if you break it, yeah. oh lord. <laughs> and yeah. and so it's kind of inconceivable. They have, 
Mm-hmm. I think they have a couple of them, plus they're filming in 3D. Yes. And and they're filming in 3D. You need two of them. We did a uh, laser time recently on Lost Media. Uh, I think the DVD has polarized uh, 3D, but the 3D streaming version of Jackass went to exclusively a streaming site called 3D Go, which doesn't exist, meaning the 3D version of this is lost. And no. you cannot access it. So go by it's go by physical media. I guess is what is the point of that. Uh, it is it is not accessible. But it's it it that was so funny. I'm glad I saw it in theaters day one. It killed the 3D. Is 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 the stupidest means of 3D. My favorite thing is shooting the <laughs> dildo through like Egypt and then just hitting Rick Kosick in the face. A wobbly dildo at a thousand frames a second, uh, going through a glass of milk. I love that shit. Uh, I, I love so much about this film. I think I, I, I it, it's really great. It's a great topper to Jackass, and I am fucking terrified about the making of fourth one, and I want them yeah. to so bad. So it's in the hopper. Is it filmed yet, or is no. it just conceived of? No, I, I've only heard like a couple of interviews because those guys, you know, they, they'll talk and like they film stuff, and like some professional skaters have broken some bones. Stuff has been filmed, and okay. and but that was in April. And well. Mark my words. Mm. I will go and see this with you at the theater. <laughs> It'll be, hi, I'm in a movie theater in 2020. Welcome to Jackass. <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. We're not going in 2020. Are you out of your mind? I know. I'm just saying. Maybe I'm thinking 2023. It, it, it got delayed already. It's already been delayed. because. But I every time you – I follow these people out of like I do love Jackass, but it's also like – the way I follow wrestlers, like, I really hope you're okay. Yeah. I hope you're okay. <laughs> yeah. And most of them aren't. <laughs> and, yeah. and so I'm, I'm even like when I, that terrible movie Johnny Knoxville made about the theme park, like he hurt himself so much and went to extremes that you, that don't show up in that film. Cause it's supposed to look like a regular movie. It, 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 it's, it, it bothers me. I don't, I, I feel like this is going to go be filmed and we're not going to be allowed to see it for some reason. That's what I feel like. Something's going to happen that's going to make this film unreleasable. And I'm thinking death or permanent disfigurement. <laughs> Unless they really play up the prank angle. Because the stunts, like, dude, I am your age. I know how fragile I am. Come on. <laughs> Guys, grow up. Like, But uh, I, I, this film is superb. It is perfectly paced. You will not notice that 90 minutes has passed when you watch it. And it also yep. has a 3.5, which you can find on varying streaming, streaming services. This is not streaming for free anywhere, sadly. But uh, you can get it on Amazon for like four bucks. Not on Netflix? I saw it on Netflix, but it might have been taken down by the time I saw it. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they're they all over that's the, the place. Annoying, that's mm-hmm. the, the annoying thing about telling people where to see things is if the end of the month, it might change. Yep. It might change. And it like, sucks. But, but Paramount is one of those last... Studios left with that doesn't own a streaming service, so it's going to bounce around. Uh, but I, I thoroughly recommend Jackass. I'm proud it's number one at the box office, despite. Oh, anyway, moving to television. Man, I am so mad. Okay. Yeah. During a debate, we're talking about television. During a debate about the Ground Zero Mosque, a fucking <sighs> Muslim center of prayer to be built um, for the Islamic community, a, a center a few blocks from the World Trade Center, Whoopi Goldberg and Joy Behar storm out of the view while talking to Bill O'Reilly about it. Bill O'Reilly is a terrible person, and mm-hmm. I was listening to the yep. oldie station while going to get food today, mm-hmm. and he popped up. I'm like, is he just going to 
give me the news for 90 seconds and leave because otherwise like i will literally write a write a letter to whatever station this is and he certainly didn't he was he was just like uh the president returns from funded the democrats want to defund the police like whoa dude there, there's no reason this needs to be in the middle of a doo-wop band like yeah. i did not also- pay, sign up for this we're not going to take anyone seriously who doesn't know the difference between a loofah and a falafel. Okay? Amen. Yeah. I make that joke every time <laughs> Phil O'Reilly comes up. I make fun of him saying he wants to rub a falafel on someone in the shower. Yes, yes. Do you know how messy and garlicky that would be? <laughs> I never mean, forget. I do have to say... I. But what is he doing? Is he... I would love to eat a falafel. I usually always want to eat a falafel. <laughs> Either actually. way, what's your, what is your fetish? I like to get into that shower and really sand a vagina down. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to put this baklava all over your boobs. Oh, yes. <laughs> all right, uh, now I'm getting excited. <laughs> stop inventing a fetish that I have now. <laughs> this bitch. Yep, Bill O'Reilly sucks Bill O'Reilly. and he hates Muslims and also women. And I'm glad he's not on the air anymore. Also, nobody cries when someone like puts a church next to an abortion clinic. So, right. Amen. which they do yeah. on and purpose all the time. It wasn't a mosque; it was a fucking community center. There's yeah. a difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But people can disguise their racism uh, and have been able to do so for many years. And now we're seeing an evolution of that. And Bill O'Reilly isn't allowed on the airwaves. So the moral <laughs> of the story is: don't be like Bill O'Reilly. Yes, uh, know your falafels. Yes, do be like uh, <laughs> Tina Fey. Um, who makes some of my favorite Yay. stuff ever. And I am very sad to admit I got the wrong 30 Rock Live episode and we had a delay in recording and then I ran upstairs and watched the one I was supposed to. Because ah, You see, because there are two there, there, and it's there are not three. the one you're thinking of. There are three, there are three? technically. Because yeah, they shot versions of 30 Rock's live episode for the East and West Coast with different jokes. Oh, because... The one I thought this might be, the one with the sketch that they will not air now. Uh, uh, they all have one of those, <laughs> apparently. Oh. They have all been removed from the streaming services, for real. Son of a mm. bitch. I, again, I, I, I forget how that works. I think if you want to buy something on like Amazon or iTunes, everything is included. But when it comes to streaming sites, if you want to see certain episodes of The Boondocks or Community or 30 Rock, they have removed those episodes. And even going back and researching, I don't know what it is. Hmm. I don't know what it is because uh, one of them happened. It's 30 Rock uh, is winning Emmys left and right. It's uh, making news headlines, and it's doing everything a television network w- should care about except for getting ratings and selling commercials. Mm. And uh, it's not doing that. So in order to boost the ratings, they it's very weird for because 30 Rock is a whoosh cam, jumps around in time, multi-camera sitcom, and then they have two episodes that look just like Saturday Night Live. Mm. It's uh, yep. 60 frames it's a second, and it's live, and it's single camera, single camera in front of an audience, but also 60 frames a second. They make a bunch of jokes about how their faces look because it's it's different. <laughs> it is different, yep. uh, the style of camera that they're using. And um, this one is wonderful. And we did we used Tracy yep. Jordan's corpsing um, example for our episode on SNL corpsing. Uh-oh, my wig fell off. I'm about to laugh. <laughs> Make this sketch funnier for everybody. <laughs> uh, but this is the one, when I saw they were going to do a live episode, it's like, but so much of the time they have cutaways, just like like Family Guy would have a cutaway. Yeah. It's like, how do you do that? And Great. it turns out, oh, you just get in other actors to play those same characters, but in a cutaway now. 
Hmm. So like <laughs> when Tina Fey remembers something that she did and it goes to a cutaway, now it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And then they make a joke about how, why do you look so much better in your flashback? My flashback has Seinfeld money. <laughs> and and it's it's pretty surreal. And if I, I, I don't think I watched this live, but I watched whatever version Hulu had for me. But they shot one for the East Coast and one for the West Coast. And they mm-hmm. also threw in different jokes. And I'm reading a Vulture article that came out last week in regards to streaming services pulling blackface episodes. 30 Rock has multiple blackface episodes <laughs> that have yes. been pulled. And yep. I don't – apparently there was a blackface joke in one of the feeds – but not the other because they added new jokes and no one knows what it, the one I saw a bootlegged one that had John John Ham did black hand where he had right his hand was donated to him by an executed black man and keeps wanting to do a power fist but that's not entirely that might have been it they vulture goes on to speculate um they do a fox news parody on the east coast version the chiron on fox news interviewing obama says exclusive interview with Kenyan liar and <laughs> on, on the west coast it reads impartial interview with barack obamianist <laughs> <laughs> and depending on what time you watched it they were different oh god <laughs> oh god i really like that uh, yeah so it's the next live episode i believe is the one with the amos and andy yes which, which is i'm still amazed was aired in like 2011 that, I that they got going, john ham oh to my do it god they are going to get so many letters but i've seen the original amos and andy and i understand what you are doing i can i just play you the wrong clip that i got from the wrong episode Cause, sure because i can't believe they do this here it's it's a honeymooners parody starring where Alec Baldwin gets to like be in sketches like he's SNL and I love honeymooners parodies especially when they involve ways you'll threaten to murder your wife when she makes you mad. <laughs> oh brother, now I'm cooking a turkey too. That's rich. One of these days, Doris, I'm going to take a shotgun and blam, blow your face off. Would still be better than our honeymoon. What was wrong with Niagara Falls? Your mother found it chilly. You're a real cut-up. In fact, one of these days, I'm going to cut you up in pieces and feed you to the neighbor's dogs. be the first time you're taking me out for dinner in years. Uh, keep it up, Doris. And bang, zoom, I'm going to drown you in the bathtub and say a mental patient did it. <laughs> I'm sorry. There's a statue to this man in New York. Um, but <laughs> uh, I love 30 Rock. And the, 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 the real beautiful thing, we had a delay. I ran up and watched the right episode. That clip was mm-hmm. from the wrong episode. Left it playing on our non-mentionable <laughs> streaming service. And I got my. I went upstairs during the second segment. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, the show 30 Rock's pretty good. Like, guess we never talked about it. And I accidentally got you in a 30 Rock live uh, during, <laughs> during, our, during 3020's broadcast. Hold on. Bring back Sarah. Real Housewives Beverly Hills debuts. This hey, I day. like 30 Rock, too. I know you do. But yeah. Uh, yeah, this is the debut of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, which is one of the franchises oh and also really great. 
Though it got really dark this most recent season. But anyways, the season, season one, involves some people that are actually familiar quantities to us already. So Kyle mm-hmm. Richards, who is a child actress who is in the original Halloween movie. Um, mm-hmm. And Kim Richards, who is her sister, who is also a uh, child actress who is in Escape from Witch Mountain, um, <laughs> are two of the housewives on the what? show uh, for the first season, as well as Camille Grammer, who is Kelsey Grammer's unfortunate wife. And then Adrian Maloof, uh, Lisa Vanderpump, who owns um, many nightclubs and restaurants in L.A., um, one of which I've been to called a gay bar called Pump. Oof, 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 oof. <laughs> it was so much fun. Um, and Taylor Armstrong. Um, so, yeah, Beverly, House- Beverly Hills Housewives is one of the franchises that's kind of a stalwart of the whole – series basically um and they've had good seasons they've had bad seasons in case anyone was interested the fantastic meme of a lady yelling at a little white cat that's yelling oh, back at her his name is that smush is from Re- <laughs> that is from real housewives um eh, kind of a downer thing to tell people about is that screenshot of the lady yelling is from a fight that is Taylor Armstrong. That was during a fight she was having where the other cast members were trying to intervene with her because they thought that her husband was abusing her, which he was physically abusing her, and then he later oh. killed himself. So <gasps> it's it gets into some darkness for sure. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. I like the meme better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like that the cat doesn't want to eat veggies. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so... Sorry to ruin everyone's meme. Yeah, I'm sorry, but I do think it's an interesting cultural artifact. Mm. Yeah. Oh gosh. Speaking of cultural though, speaking of Jesus. memes, mm. oh, boy. holy cow! Something I don't think anyone anticipated what was going to happen when they said, "Hey, remember My Little Pony? We're going to make a new TV show out of that." It, it took me forever. And suddenly, to- millions of thirty-year-old men. It doesn't make it, does, it still doesn't make much sense to me because one, it, it's like it's born in the most evil level of corporate fucking homogeny that like a Discovery family is a is a small cable channel that's struggling. You know, one of the Discovery Channel family family shows. Discovery Family is one of the part of the Discovery Family of family channels, but this is a Discovery <laughs> Family channel, so it's a little confusing. And and then Hasbro comes along and like we'll buy half your network to base to like make shit based on our toys and that's what it is and mm. but nobody i didn't have cable i couldn't even see this thing and so like watching this grow in popularity with literally only teenage boys i didn't live in a world where i, I knew a lot of underage little girls please no jokes mm. um uh yeah like i i didn't my friends weren't having kids yet and so like the fandom i saw reflected was that of adult men yeah. to the yeah. show and i was just like and I finally saw it while house sitting uh, at one point in San Francisco. I'm like, "Are you? See- this show's good, but like, you're crazy. Like, is well, this is yeah. this real? Is this I, I real yeah, fandom? Good. I, I don't understand everything I've heard. I still haven't watched My Little Pony. Friendship is magic, but mm-hmm. I, you know, when it first came out, I heard it was like, yes, obviously it's born of this crass commercialism to make something about toys, mm-hmm. but that like it's smarter than the original. It's kind of more like feminist girl power, kind of like believe in yourself. You can do anything. It's got more interesting characters that, you know, that have more dimensions to them, even though they're, you know, little ponies oh. with little colorful manes and shit that you can braid. Oh. Uh, I had some, my little ponies. I used to put Barbie clothes on them. It was 
kind of weird. <laughs> that is somehow weirder than anything I said in the previous sentence. Neither. So you're basically yeah. solving the problem of how a horse wears pants. I know how a horse wears pants, and I yeah. won't tell you. Oh, oh God. That's fair. That's Gotta fine. be just a couple I'm cuts. I'm sworn to secrecy. <laughs> I'm Catholic, so I understand about spiritual mysteries. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it seems like the next thing you know, it's all these like 20 year old guys talking about how Rainbow Dash is like the only person who understands them. And it's like, oh, and then you give them a couple of years and they're going to be yelling about SJWs and how they're ruining everything. Or the other half of them will be, you know, talking about how they're like trans meta sapiosexual. It's like there's this weird split where it's like some of them become evil and some 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 of the bronies become evil and some of the bronies become good yeah it's so it's all are there documentaries there have to be documentaries. there's a documentary on called bronies about but i i do want to recommend one that you can still buy right now uh that is called feels good man and it's about oh yeah it's about it's gonna be on uh, PBS Independent Lens, like in a week. Is it? It's the the documentary yeah. on Pepe the Frog, of innocuous yeah. comic character to weird. I cannot wait to watch it. And again, if the my little if this My Little Pony show came out a couple years later, I think they could have been the Pepe of yeah. of that Reddit. Well, there movement. was some of that too. I've seen pictures of you yeah, know it, Applejack dressed as a Nazi. It's just they, they, <laughs> it's, like, it's just what? that Hasbro could come up with a volume to counteract the evil coming out of it, where this one guy writing comments comics on MySpace could not. But I, it's called Feels Good Man about Pepe the Frog and trying to, not to ruin the movie, but the goal becomes like, we will sue anybody who uses this character for hard right racist memes and tries to make money off of it. And that's how you mm. kill it. And uh, anyway, uh, My Little Pony didn't mean to do you a disservice, but I wasn't the demo then and I am not now. So eat a dick. Nope. And nine seasons. Though. Nine se- 222 nine episodes seasons. on the yeah, Hasbro so. network. Um, yeah. <laughs> And uh, on the ninth, I, Jane Lynch hosted uh, SNL with musical guest Bruno Mars. Um, it's I, always a little interesting to me when you have someone hosting SNL who you feel like is a near miss for someone who could have been a cast member. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Like a skill, someone skilled in sketch comedy. Yeah. And uh, yep. Oh man, we, we will talk are about going her to have week. an example of that next week. That's her debut yeah. in that that world, isn't it? I believe so. Yeah. Yep. Uh, next week we have a movie that's such an overlap of all of these things we're talking about this week about (laughs) improvisational comedy Jane Lynch comfort food for the eyes I'm so so happy I'm so excited I'm so happy (sighs) anyway uh, I'll tease it some more later. Moving on to games. <laughs> Sonic 4 Episode 1 hits consoles. Uh, Dead Space Ignition uh, leaves Wii and hits PS360. Just Dance 2. Um, I think how Diana's recording on like a internet made of Just Dance 2 right now. <laughs> uh, Medal of Honor, the remake hits, uh, and Super Scribble Knots hits Nintendo DS. We will talk way more about those games. Patreon.com slash LazerTime once a month. A really deep dive into all the video games and video game news that came out during these periods. Um, we will talk more about that over there. Di, where can people find you? Oh, I got to thank uh, Cor- Corey uh, Gray, by the way, our executive producer this week. Patreon.com slash LazerTime. $5 level gets you all our exclusive shit. Uh, 20 or more gets you executive producer status. And you get to occasionally help decide what we do and how we cover things. So thanks, everyone. Patreon.com slash Laser Time. Die, where are we uh, They can follow me on Twitter at ListenNerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast, 302010podcast. And coming up next week, we have two interesting movies in 2000. Speaking of blackface, 
we have a movie about it that is wow very hard for me to find to watch yeah i have it on dvd and, thankfully uh and also the previously mentioned movie about improv mm-hmm. and jane lynch and how sad it is that in some countries they eat those dogs. <laughs> what? I'm so I, excited. I'm so excited. This series is one of my favorite movies of 2000. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes 100%. people who are dressed like that are hotel doormen. And <laughs> <laughs> that's not a bee. That's a bear dressed as a bee. <laughs> Uh, oh man, I'm so very happy with that. Uh, but yeah, patreon.com slash laser time got a bunch of stuff for you. New laser time this week based on comedic, famous comedic duos coming out and right. video game apocalypse this week. Fuck, I know what we're talking about, but I assure you it'll be fun. <laughs> and I'll talk about how much I love Hades. How about that? And Star Wars Squadrons. Speaking of, sick of Star Wars, new episode, big ass new episode, uh, patreon.com slash laser time. Let's get into the deaths and births, uh, people who died during this period of 302010 that we just discussed. All right. Well, uh, we got three deaths this week. In 1990, we lost Leonard, Leonard Bernstein. <laughs> Thank you. He was 72. Obviously, he was a, uh, um, just amazing composer. I mean, Kaddish, obviously, but West Side Story, which we have to wait another year to see. Yeah. Is that really done? Yeah. Like, I've seen no it's screenshots done. of that. Oh I am it's very done. bummed about that and also the In the Heights movie. Yes. Also very bummed about that. Yep. Going to have to wait about a year. Everything. I'm just mad I couldn't have like a Hamilton intermission in a movie theater. Go, yeah. go out there, tweet my thoughts. Instead, <laughs> I fast forward it. Yep. And then in 2010, we lost mathematician, computer guy, uh, Benoit Mandelbrot. He was 85. Not a real name. And- it is a great name. Really good name. It's a super great name. Uh, also another really great name. And mm-hmm. I, I feel like a singer does not get enough recognition. Solomon Burke, oh. who's huge oh. for soul, rhythm and blues, blues. He is amazing. He's like uh, one of those guys yeah. that all the guys that you love, love Solomon Burke. Uh, you know, just yeah. skip to the end and just go listen to Solomon Burke by himself. Oh, listen <laughs> to Cry to Me. Um, it is oh, yeah. one of the songs I attach to the Bone Zone so much just because of Dirty <laughs> Dancing. That is. Oh, gosh, that's right. It's like wetted in my brain. Yes, Solomon Burke. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, so those are the deaths. Do you want to guess whose birthday it is? Yes, sure. I do. Oh, birthday is a doodly doo, a ding dong doodly doodly ding dong doo. I've been really sucking at this recently. I'm not yes. gonna lie. No, no, that's right. You can't give it to me as being great at it. You have to suck at it. Fine. That's right. Yes. Fine. <laughs> Let's talk about someone who would have been 80 this week, but he's dead now. Anyway, born October 9th, 1940. His parents weren't really in his life. Dad, Alf, was a merchant seaman and ran off, and his mom, Julia, had some issues, so he was raised by his aunt, Mimi. But his mom would come by occasionally and played him Elvis records and taught him how to play the banjo. Uh, Forrest Gump. <clears throat> no. Uh, Fair enough. Second time I've done that. Not a real yeah. person. But then she was killed by uh, a car, and that sent him spiraling, so he started acting out and got kicked out of school. He formed a band at 15, and they played for a few years, but his aunt didn't like them because all those boys were low class. Uh, we're talking about music. Uh, that does not mm. bode well for me. Mm-hmm. Um, since then, he's had 22 number ones, 89 in the top 100, and sold 700 million albums worldwide. Is- his songs have been covered roughly 10,175 times. Uh, Roy Orbison. That's a decent what? guess. I, I did I was not waiting. mention where this guy was born, though, and I apologize. Oh. Liverpool. Oh, 
John. Oh, George what? Harrison. It's John Lennon. Hey! Oh, you didn't even remember the, the name of George. John Lennon. the world. Fuck. <laughs> yep. Uh, I can't stand him. <laughs> no. Well, this whole thing is rigged. This whole thing is rigged against me. Everyone is. I, my my fucking vote was thrown in a creek somewhere. I, <laughs> love, I love that you guessed George Harrison, my favorite Beatle, and I got it right on John Lennon, so my, my favorite least Beatle. favorite Beatle, and probably one of my least yeah. favorite people. I hate him. Oh. So I had trouble when we were talking about Nowhere Boy because that came out specifically to coincide with his birthday, wow. what would have been his 70th birthday. And if I got too into the details of his life in the movie, I'd be giving it away for this. Word. Uh, Good yeah, job. Obviously, he died age 40, December 8th, 1980. I did the math and looked it up. February 2nd, 2021 is the point where he will have been dead longer than he was alive. Oh, no. Oof. I hate that. It's yep. like it's like uh, realizing on Sick of Star Wars, the special editions have been around longer than they haven't. Hmm. Yep. <laughs> I feel bad for saying that I hate will. him. You should. I don't hate John <laughs> well, Lennon, but I'm not a fan. Well, he has more downsides than I think the rest of the Beatles combined. Yeah, he's kind of, you know, he's kind of always a fucking asshole. <laughs> he he was a bit of an asshole. He he abused his first wife. Yes. He did not deny that. Uh, he roughed her up. Um, he could make jokes that maybe were a little insensitive. Let's say mm-hmm. when your manager is both gay and Jewish. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. yeah, he spent a lot of time just sort of sitting around high as a kite not doing anything mm-hmm. and then um got mad at other people for criticizing that yeah no there are a lot of downsides uh also i never want to hear imagine again in any form oh good lord please no no i i don't want to i don't want to his other solo stuff is so much better watching the yeah. wheels is a better song Shine on. i i have a That's big a collection one. of animated music videos and whatever gets you through the night it sounds like an snl intro but it's <laughs> it's hilarious <laughs> I oh, it does. Yeah, it's got a strong sax there. Also, uh, "Woman is the N word of the world." Hello, is a great fucking angry song though. But you're gonna have to hear the N word. <laughs> That's a deal breaker for me, dog. Yeah, yeah. but girl, can you get into Randy Newman? I have to say, <laughs> well, I don't like Randy Newman either. <laughs> In both ends of the spectrum. But I do have to say that Yoga Ono, I feel like, has really like hopefully risen above the mess that he put her in and now she's like a very cool twitter follow she says that is the yoko that broke up laser time by the way (laughs) (laughs) but i mean i guess if you want to go watch nowhere boy uh also rock and roll circus only finally came to dvd like a couple of years ago one of the weirdest things i've ever seen that's fucking crazy where it's like Lennon, yoko the stones eric Clapton. clapton it's just like going nuts making the audience wear corresponding ponchos <laughs> it's it's strange yes yeah well, for diving into cool. some fun beatles type movies i definitely have to recommend yesterday okay. oh yeah so, that was really cute great day from two years ago yeah last year last year, last year? No, last year time is a flat circle i have no idea like mm-hmm. how much yeah. time is yeah, you can't make yeah, me stay inside for eight months and with climate change where I don't notice what season it is and expect me to know the passage of time. Let's get out of here. All right. Uh, speaking of people who left us too soon, even oh. though he was a lot older <laughs> than John Lennon got to be, uh, we're recording this right after we found out we lost Eddie Van Halen. Mm-hmm. So as much as we were, we were going to go out with, uh, with like a G6, we got to go out with Van Halen. Does anyone have a favorite Van Halen song no. that's not the one I picked? No, no. Because the, I wanted to pick the one with the best fucking guitar riff. That's my favorite video, yeah. 
Um, I mean, I I thought about using Pound Cake because he plays a guitar with a drill. No, and that's like, fucking awesome. By the time I was paying attention to music, David Lee Roth was long gone from the band. It's just like, it's not something yeah. I have. My friends who are like literally three years older than me have a thorough respect for the band and Mr. Van Halen that I just wasn't there to see. I was introduced to them with Crystal Pepsi and Van Hagar. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right yeah. now that that's how i found out who van halen was it, yeah he well, he's one of those people that's like even if you're you're not into the band and it's not your style of music his level of talent mm-hmm. that he was a fucking virtuoso player is yeah. incredible his his talent is there even if you're like ah, i don't care he's that. shorthand for one of the most inspiring instruments in the dominant genre of music for 50 years so that's got to mean something and i I, yeah. I feel for people who are I again, I don't know the guy or his music that much, but uh, yeah, uh, I've seen a lot of sad uh, stuff. It on, hurts. On uh, listen to 1984's great album, mm-hmm. but at, Hot for Teacher is this is like the best lick ever. It's Come pretty on, good. pretty good. I it's like how so she's an SLC punk <laughs> to signify jocks. <laughs> Dude deserves a tip of the hat, man. That's a rough one. 65 in cancer. He won't stop taking. Put Stevie Wonder in protective custody. <laughs> And with that, one more episode of 302010 in the can. Please tune in next week because, holy Lord, there's a bunch of stuff I have to see, including zombies and uh, magical Brendan Fraser and Liz Hurley. We're going to rewatch that. Chris Guest, mm-hmm. so much more. Tell a friend about the show. We love you. Patreon.com slash Lizard Time. Take us out, Eddie. Bye. Oh, got it bad, got it bad, got it bad. I'm hot, teacher.